Hello and welcome to the Nash Tackle Off The Hook podcast. Just to make you aware, this podcast may contain some explicit slash offensive language. And if that's not your thing, you don't have to listen. But I have given you a warning. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. You don't know the half of it, but yeah, um, I'm anyway. Time, yeah, I'm, on, mate. I'm skating on the thinnest ice known to man. Like. He said, and um, they put a poison in the tank that just instantly kills them. He went, and we've run out of it, so we cut their heads off with shovels. Suddenly, bang! The whole boat exploded. Take your sort of eight-inch long piranha and imagine that at four, five, maybe six feet. I said, I've revived your dead fish. <laughs> F off, he said. You haven't. That was just humongous. It was, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I'm just battling this fish out and on. I know it's a black man. I'm, yeah. I'm saying I'll never be a naughty boy again. If you catch fish and you return them to the water, then you are my brother. Garth Ethelston, welcome to the Nash Podcast. Hello. Mate, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, are you? I'm good, thank you. Even better to see you. Got a coffee, some good. snacks, and you are dressed very nicely. Well, you, get, you know, got to be, got to be smart, haven't you? <laughs> uh, how have you been? What have you been up to recently? Uh, I've been very well, thank you. Yeah, um, I've been fishing the Thames, really. Uh, I was doing the winter, so yeah, finished on Monday night. Um, so now it's time to dust the car, for, the car rods off, but... Um, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing all winter. Good season all round. Yeah, it was a strange season. It was kind of uh, it went in different spells, you know. Like, but um, yeah, it was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, we're going to talk about your little passion for the Thames. A yeah, bit I love later, it. Mate. Yeah, so. you do love a bit of that. Yeah. Um, work-wise, you've been busy. I'm guessing you have. Yeah, yeah. I'm at Blake's now, Blake's Bates. So um, been there nearly a year now. Um, Is it a year already. Yeah, I think it's a year in April. Yeah, so wow. Um, yeah, really enjoying it. It's local to me. The um, Pete and Tim, who kind of and Heather, who own the business, are lovely, lovely people. Um, and we've got loads to do. It's nowhere near finished yet, you know, at all. But um, yeah, it's a br- yeah, brilliant, brilliant place to work. So um, you've got some yeah. good people on board. You got Nigel Sharp. You got um, Renyard now. Yeah, well, Nigel and Renyard. Yeah, they're two two old friends that I've known for a, a long time. So um, and they're both brilliant anglers, aren't they? In yeah. different ways. So um, yeah, it's great to have them on. And yeah, you know, I, they're both. They've both yeah, had the mates. punishment of this sofa and me as well, mate. <laughs> no, they've both warned me. They've both warned me. <laughs> but to be fair, it will be a theme as we go throughout your podcast is you've spent a lot of time working within the industry. Yeah. Um, you've met obviously a lot of the who's who, if you like, shall we say. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Obviously, including yourself. No. Um, um, in the industry over that course of time and things have changed and we will talk about that and touch on that. But it's good to see, mate. Exciting times. And uh, yeah, yeah, mate, all it's in all... Good. You can't complain, can you, mate? No, not at all. No, How many it's... years? How many years have you been in the industry? It's long. Uh, yeah. Nearly 20. Go on, the boy. Yeah, 20, yeah tw- nearly 20, I think. That makes you 25, doesn't it? I wish, <laughs> mate. I wish. I'm starting to creak. <laughs> We're going to start um, in your hometown, which is a bit of a sore point for me, being a uh, diehard Leicester City It's only because it's more beautiful than Leicestershire, isn't it? I don't it? think Derby is more Derbyshire, beautiful than Derbyshire. Derbyshire, you, you, no one can argue that. I'm going with Derby Town Centre, mate. That's <laughs> no, where you're from, isn't it? I'm not from Derby, no. <laughs> Jesus. You're even you're disowning. Derby. Yeah, you know, you I live outside Derby. In Derbyshire. Talk to me about the Derbyshire days, mate. Oh, so um yeah, so I grew up there. Um mum and dad still live there in a town called Ripley. Um had a wonderful upbringing, like childhood, really. Mum and dad were amazing. Um supported us doing everything we wanted to do, you know, whether it was football, I used to swim a lot for the counting club and stuff. Um, latterly fishing, um, yeah, anything we wanted to do. So, yeah, just um, it was great. And then I don't know when I started fishing about eighty seven, eighty seven. I think yeah, but I 
I don't know how, still I don't know how it happened really. I started watching John Wilson. Was uh, it John Wilson? Yeah. I started watching John Wilson before I'd ever been fishing. And uh, I, used to, I don't know, I used to get up at like, I think it was like six o'clock on a Sunday morning. I don't even know how I got there. Do you know what I mean? To that point of seeing mm. it or watching it. Probably used to get up and watch Curious George or something, you know, and then they're going what fishing coming after. George? What's Curious mate, George? Mate, you know. Your kids must have watched Curious George. No, it's on now. they haven't. Oh, they they watch Paw Patrol. Mate, and... you get home and ask them, they'll know Curious I'm George. I'm going to put it on, they'll be well impressed. They will, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, started watching Go Fishing, you know, so there was the first one. I think Go Fishing started around then. There was um, your first series, like, I don't know, Chum Tents, Roach and Carp and mm. Pike and Trout and stuff. And they, yeah, I don't know, it just kind of hooked me. So your dad weren't an angler then, no? No, no one in my, no one in my family. Mm. My uncle, apparently, my, or my dad's uncle even, Uncle Morris, Used to be a Welsh like <laughs> the Welsh one. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. I get stigged for being there. I've not said Welsh. A word. No, not not from you. When the rugby's on, it's like you boy. I was doing well. I get and all that. But yeah, he, he used to go poaching for the eels and that over in Wales, apparently. Right. And um, but yeah, no one. Um, but I was quite lucky. I I was in sc- scouts, and um, a couple of guys in scouts fished. Um, and we went over to. I think we we're in. We're on a scout camp in Harlech in Wales. And I don't know, one of the lads had bought one of these, uh, you know, one of them cheap reels, like four quid, I don't know, Silstar Shakespeare or something. Yeah, yeah. With like £29 line on it or something. And I think, I don't know why I bought it, because he hadn't got a rod. And we, but we rigged it up to this like aluminium pole and like fashioned an eye out of some wire and taped it to the top and just went down in the sea and just... In the casting. sea? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have any bait or hooks on. But we were just casting it, you know. It was, obviously didn't cast very well. But... um. <laughs> Yeah, it just went from there. And then one of the guys in Scouts, his dad used to fish. We borrowed his kit. And then yeah, it just kind of went from there, really. It's weird, isn't it? When you look at like, there's so many different paths into it. So many different yeah. people find it in different ways. But there's definitely got to be something deep down sort of in you. Yeah, totally. That's, that's sort of hunter based or something along those lines. I always it? think it's, it's in you or not. My brother fished. He probably actually, I think he went fishing before me. Mm. And he fished up until he left home. And then he's not fished. Has he not? Since no, he, he found his other his own path. He went and did outdoor pursuits and stuff, and now he's a paramedic. You know, which is obviously a mega wow. job. Yeah, really proud of him for that. But um, yeah, it's just he he was never quite as into it as I was. You know, so yeah, fair. And um, fishing around Derbyshire or those, yeah, those days, yeah. What so um, like? well, there, there weren't many big carp. Obviously, yeah. uh, I think I think it was one thirty pounder in Derbyshire that I knew of anyway at that point, which was a lake not far from me actually called Codner Reservoir. Um, but it was hard over there. You used to call it Blanksville. It was, it was, it was tough. People like Dave Moore come down and caught that fish and stuff, you know? So it was, um, it was a pretty special carp up there, but I was just fishing at that point, you know, um, for everything, you know, and, um, Butley Reservoir was a place I used to Mm. fish and various, various local places. But yeah, I I always fish for everything. I didn't just fish just for the carp. So we'd be on the river trotting for whatever perch or live bait for them or whatever it was. So, yeah, it was all local, obviously local stuff, and just just learning. You were just enjoying it, weren't you? That was the main thing. With friends, or or was there like an angling club or something that sort yeah, of helped it, with with all that? It was mainly with friends, yeah. Mm. Um, so there was a guy Rob, like I said, and then there was a couple of other guys. Uh, Graham and Steve are still two of my best mates now, um, and yeah, we started fishing together. Almost, you know, there was always a group then, wasn't there? Of people at school that used to go fishing, and out of those people that fished, a few would carry on. Yeah. And Graham and Steve still fished like they're mad for it still today. Um, so yeah, I started fishing with them. And there's another guy I used to swim with, Lee, who was probably three years older than me. And he was a brilliant angler. Like, 
this still is. He went on fish for the Trentman and stuff like that, you know, which mm. is a really good club up there. Um, and yeah, so we just all bounced off each other really and just learned to do different things. We always had a little plan, you know, it'd be like, I don't know, we're going to go and fish a Derwent for the Chub this winter or we're going to go and fish this lake for the Pike or Carp in the summer or whatever it'd be. Yeah. You know? So yeah, just yeah, it kind of just it's, went from there really. It's cool that you still mates with some of them and they're, and they're still fishing to this day. That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, well, all my, all my school friends, really, the guys I knock around with, certainly in sixth form, um, they're all still my best mates, yeah, so... How did it play out in terms of the rest of school? Did they like, what are you doing going fishing? Yeah, you get that everywhere, don't you? Did you? I don't know. I... Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Um, yeah, some of them do. I mean, some still think that, you know? <laughs> yeah, Matt Andy in Australia, like, he, he still rings me up pissed on Friday and gives me sh- yeah, shit about yeah being a fisherman. But he doesn't do anything, so I don't know why he's like... He doesn't do anything? Well, he does. He's minted, but he, he works and he's got... Retired? No, but, he, well, you know, when I sometimes think that we're lucky with fishing because we've got fishing, haven't we? Mm. So I think if we're not fishing, we're often thinking about fishing, aren't we? Or we're kind of driven to go or it excites us or, and I still get that now. And, and a lot of people don't have that. You look mm. at some people and, you know, they might go to work, go home, watch telly, go work, go home, you know? And I, I think that's, we're so lucky. I think we have that kind of um, passion that it's not, it's not limited by age. It's not limited by time. It's not limited by anything like that. You can go as and when you want to, as old as you want, you know. Yeah, yeah, too God, right. God willing, you know. So, yeah, so yeah, I always give him shit back, say, you know, what you what you been doing then? He's just walking down the beach and manly getting pissed. He needs to get on the barra boy. He came a couple of times when we were younger, yeah, but he, yeah, he never took you it. To, you need to get him on uh, Rex Hunt, mate. Rex Hunt, you need to send him some Rex Is Hunt. Is he still oh, going? I don't think Rex Hunt's still no. going, but it's what? Probably, is, what? Probably, but probably dead. He, he might be. God rest Rex yeah, Hunt because he's a legend. You've been here. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, you've got John Wilson. He can have Rex Hunt, mate. Yeah. What a couple of influences. Absolutely. Is that? There you go. Wasting his time out oh, in no. Australia. No, he's not. He's doing, <laughs> he's doing all right. We'll yeah. let him off. Um, so from that point and sort of your mates, your carp fishing around Derbyshire, you said that there was that 130 pounder. Yeah, it was way out of my league. Um, probably still would be. <laughs> it was tough on there, mate. Um, carp fishing. Um, so I think there was a guy on Butterley called Neil, Neil Cotton, um, Nelly, as, he, as he's known. Still a friend now. Um, and he was probably three years older than me. And he was a bailiff at the time. And um, he was carp fishing. And I'd be around, you know, and you know, it's like you punish him a bit, don't you, and stuff. Mm. But he was he was fishing quite often in this swim um, where there was probably 20, 30-yard wade to some lily pads. And he was fishing with his rods right high, he'd wade out, drop his rigs over the lily pads, wade back, and he'd have these tips in the air and, you know, he'd get his... And so I sit with him and watch this and he helped me loads. Like, um, gave me hooks, told me, told me how to tie rigs, um, gave me some bait, that kind of stuff. Um, and then one day I decided to go and have a go. And uh, I got really lucky and caught the biggest carp in the lake. Yeah, it was, only, it was like 18 pounds or something out of Butler Reservoir at the time. I think it was 1991 or something. But that's massive, isn't it? When you're, that's your, like... Oh, at the time, yeah. I mean, I had, um, it was on like a, uh, a match rod, a Silstar Exciter match rod. I'd I'd bought one of these, you know, they remember the old magnetronic bite alarms with the orange arm? Oh, yeah. And they were useless, like, you get a bite and it ping off the arm. So my dad had helped me bend the arm, like, with a bit of heat so that the line stayed in. And, um, yeah, like, I think... Um, He'd give me some chickpeas and some boilies or something. And we, yeah, we'd gone down and 
I think probably hindsight, we probably landed on the fish as they were gathering to spawn. You know, like yeah. really, we got ever so lucky. I mean, a guy called Lee, or Lee Jenkins, who I was fishing with, and um, yeah, caught this fish. Got terrible <laughs> photos. Um, That's what it's all about. But it was amazing. I always remember that night. So I'd gone home. That's what I'd had been. I'd been about 13, 14, something like that. I'd gone home, had my tea, and I decided to go back down to the lake on my bike, like I, I often used to in the evenings. You know, chest puffed out. Give yeah, it, I've done get this. Get a big and mate, caught small tail, haven't I? <laughs> anyway, called small tail. Small tail, yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, so I've gone down to bike. I always remember there was no one there. I couldn't really tell anyone. So I was gutted. And anyway, Butley was, it's a funny, like, it was split in two halves. It was like um, a, a railway that went down the middle of the mm. East Midlands Railway steam trains. And on this one day, I was going on my bike on this path. And on the like railway embankment, there was a train sat there and people stopping having like something to eat, look over the lake and whatever you. And I'm on what, the Swanick side of the lake. It's two sides, but in Swanick. I, um, I'm going along the path and there's a little bridge over the gap in the embankment so the carbon stuff can get through. Anyway, I've like looked up at this, uh, I've looked up at this train like that. This woman's like smiled at me. I've smiled back and I've looked back, but I'm not on the path anymore. I'm like E.T. in the mid-air, <laughs> and I've just landed in the lake, mate, like with a massive spadosh, you know, and so I sat there, I could hear all the train laughing and stuff, you know, like, and I've just sat there like, oh, you idiot, like, so it seemed like ages, it was probably only 20, 30 seconds I sat there, and I just thought, right, I better get out, drag what, myself yeah, out. Did you wait for the train to go? No, I mean, ages, mate, I just got out and just like, didn't look at anyone, put my head down, cycled home as fast as I could. That's like, a walk of shame. Oh, mate, you're savage, yeah. Yeah, so gone. that was like someone popped me that day. Anyway, deflated. What a yeah, small tail. So that was the, yeah, that was <laughs> that was my first taste of carp fishing. Um, but we never, even after that, we didn't. I didn't ex- exclusively carp fish. Um, I did quite a bit more on there, but um, again, I was still doing other stuff. You know, mum and dad. We were really fortunate. About ninety one, about that time, um, we were getting a bit older, and mom, we'd always gone on like holidays, you know, around the country visiting lead mines and, you know, stuff, all kinds of stuff you do, don't you, when you're a kid. But I think mum and dad realised it got to a point we were probably getting a little bit too old for that kind of mm. thing. And so, brilliantly, they'd gone, I think, in the Angler's Mail or something and found somewhere for us to go on holiday that me and my brother could go and fish. And uh, absolute by luck, really, they picked a, a place called Throot Fisheries, which is on the Dorset Stour. And um, the fishery used to have a holiday kind of cottage. Yeah. So... They booked us to go down there, and we went probably for four years, something like that, for two weeks in the summer. Perfect. Um, oh, it was amazing, yeah. And because we could swim, like I say, we were both in the swimming club and that, we were safe to go on the river, you know. Uh, Mum and Dad go and do their own thing. Um, and we, yeah, we did loads down there. We learned loads. We did mega down there. It was, it was like what? what? In terms of learning loads, just just through fishing? <clears throat> yeah, on, on a fishing side. So I think the first year we went, um, we were just... You know, he'd read about barbel. Yeah. A bit of lunch and meat, you know. But when the river's low and clear and it's bright, hot, hot, sorry, bright, sunny, hot day, it's not the one, like, you know. And we were young and we were trying, but we were struggling, I yeah. think. And um, that first two weeks, I think I fluked two barbel just doing that. Um, my brother didn't get any. And then the following, the following year went back. Again, we're doing the same, struggling. And about... Halfway through, like after the end of the first week, like we've had enough of blanking now. <clears throat> Let's try and catch some chub. So we started fishing casters in the feeder, um, start catching chub. But then we started catching the old barbel. 
And it went on the second week. It just got ridiculous. We were fishing these swims on a place called the Cops on through, and we were just catching more and more fish. Got to the point, I think one day we ended up with something like 14 barbel between us. I don't know, similar amount of chub. And be- bear in mind, at that point, we were young. Um, we were fishing 16 hooks, two-pound bottoms. Jeez. Like silly light, like like we used to. I mean, when we was fishing for bream and stuff in Derbyshire, we'd be lighter than that a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, 12-ounce bottom to 22 hooks. That's a bream though, isn't it? Yeah. But th- that was our mentality. Yeah. You'd fish lighter, like, for the fish. And um, so every time one of us hooked a barbel, the other one would go netting for them. So, like, we caught all them fishing, like, a relatively short period of fishing, you know. It was crackers. So we learned, and again, we went back the following year, we did the same. But the cost of maggots, really, for us, and we went on to maggots because casters were expensive. <laughs> yeah. And we were fishing the same swim, so we could buy a gallon of maggot between us. And keep, yeah. Yeah, because it always felt like, cost. we could see the fish, it always felt like there was a tipping point. It might be two pints, it might be three pints on a particular day, but then you'd get them feeding, and, and so we'd be fishing the same swim. But again, that got got to the point where we'd be wanting to use three gallon of maggot and we couldn't so the net next year we went back um hemp was banned on through and i'd read somewhere hooked about hutchie and hutchie had said about these moth beans are called it's a particle like a mini bean and uh he said that in his opinion they were almost as good as hemp so get on them yeah so got on them so i've got hinder's catalog they had a sack of moth beans so i've got a sack of moth beans delivered uh, and we took it down there and we battered it. Yeah? Mate, yeah. Mate, we, we were catching, I don't know, five, six, seven fish a day each. We, they were crapping these beans out. It took like a couple of days for them to really get going. What were you doing? Just catapulting it out? Or dropper in a feeder? Bait dropper in a Oh, bait dropper, yeah. yeah. And they got to a point, because of the beans, we didn't used to use, use maggot because they were feeding that confidently. We'd just be using meat or something like that. So it became a much cheaper, <laughs> cheaper way of doing it. This sack of beans. Yeah. Isn't? But my brother would always catch a big one. Would he? Yeah. What was a big one back then on that stretch? What are you well, saying? Um, yeah. I mean, at that, you're talking, when would that be? Like early 90s. So, yeah, 91, 92. So. Yeah. So if you go 91, for example, to give it an idea, I think Len Arbery won the Drennan Cup that year. Yeah. With a 14-pound barbell and a 6'9 uh, chub, I think. So, you know. Yeah, it's not a 20 So a double-figure double barbell is a big fish. Yeah. Like a 5-pound chub is a good fish, you know. So, yeah, he'd always, he'd always, I think he had a 9-10 one day, which Jeez. when we were like, well, I know he had a 9-10 one day. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't let you yeah, in the last yeah, mate. I'd always catch more than him, but it, it didn't matter whether it was there, whether it was back home. It always happened. And he'd do it to me and my mates. Like, what, the, he'd always have the bigger? Always. Do you, right. This is completely off subject and I've fast forwarded loads. Do you no. think that's a thing in terms of people when they go carp? I've been carp. No, I just think it's my brother numbers. being jammy. He's a lucky sod. I've known carpers like that, though. Yeah, it does happen, yeah, nothing. it does. And all of a sudden, it's like biggest fish in the lake. Yeah, no, that does happen. But my brother is lucky. If you go into a pub and there's a raffle, he'll win it. I guarantee it, yeah. Get him doing my lottery numbers, mate. mate. honestly, he's always been like it. But then he's tight. I and mean, when he wins the raffle, he won't buy a beer, you know. No, he will. <laughs> Only joking, Glenn, sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he always did it. So I remember, we, again, we were fishing this lake um, called the Lido. I might come on to it a bit later, but... Um, we were pike fishing it, me and my mate Graham and Steve, and we fished it all winter. I think I had about 100 pike. Wow. My bro- biggest was £12. My brother come once, I had a 19 or something. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? That's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, I remember him. I rem- yeah, just Does he, was- he lord it, though, or does he just not? Is oh, he- yeah. Oh, surrender. Yeah, he'd give it- he was two years younger than us, so he'd, he'd give it the beans. Oh, that's... 
That's yeah. not the one, mate, is it? No. So, so yeah. So then Throop and then, and then I think I was, oh, well, I was 18. So oh, then I went to uni. So, what did you do at uni? I uh, did business, business management at Sheffield, Hallam. So, did you? So Steve, who was, I'd gone to school with and six form fish with, he, he ended up at Sheffield, Hallam as well. So um, we ended up sharing a house together. Um, what was that like? Well, Sheff- Sheffield's a good night out. Oh, it was brilliant. Sheffield, Sheff- Sheffield was um, such a friendly city. Like mm. We didn't see any trouble. I, I, I remember getting on the bus the first time. And it used to be, we used to say it was 40p to get anywhere in Sheffield on the bus. But I remember going on, big bus driver, skinhead and all that, 40p love. And I'm just like... What, he called you love? called me love. And oh, I was geez. like, what's going on here? Like, But everyone in Sheffield called each other love, you know? So, but it was, yeah, it was really, really nice place to live, yeah. Um, and we moved into this house. It was like eight lads that first year. And it was carnage. It was, it honestly was carnage. We'd be out six nights a week. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, well, actually, that first year I, I didn't do business, I, I started, I did a year's mechanical engineering, right? It wasn't for me that, so I just find it found it boring. So, you switched, yeah, I switched after the end of the first year, yeah, which was again a bit of a blessing when you look back, but um, but yeah, that was kind. And we didn't, we didn't fish at university, we didn't take our gear, um, there wasn't anywhere close, yeah, we were right in the town. The River Don at that point. I was say the Don. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but that was that was still suffering suffering from you know the industrial pollution from yeah. the steelworks and stuff. So it it um it wasn't really viable. It recovered pretty quick after we left actually. Um, right. Because mate Steve stayed on lived there for a while, but, but yeah, it wasn't at the time. So we'd fish in the summer holidays when you um, went back. Yeah, when we went back. Um, but again, we'd we'd be going back. Um, and our friends were coming back from other universities, and we were seeing our friends that were still at home as well. So. We didn't do loads, you know, but we'd always come up with like a, a little, again, a little plan, you know, so, so I mentioned the Lido before. So this, this one year, it's up in a place called Wingerworth on the way, Chestfield, and we'd seen a photograph of a car, but it was about 20 pounds or 19 pounds or something. And we decided to have a go in there and um, it was quite a cool lake, like five or six acres. And there was a pub on one bank, which was always oh, called the Smithy Pond. Yeah. So we started fishing on there, but. I'd caught nothing that year. Like, honestly, like... Hard. Yeah, maybe. But I was... I'd started work in the summer. I was running this outdoor swimming pool. So, cause I'd, because of my swimming, I'd end up doing my lifeguarding, like bronze medallion and all that kind of stuff. So I was running this outdoor swimming pool um, like on shifts with another guy, basically. Which was an experience in itself. Was it an outdoor swimming pool? Yeah, so yeah? it was like, yeah, an outdoor swimming pool. Um, you used that all year round through the winter as no, well? No, no, it was just in the summer. I was so say you, you'd kill people off, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, it's freezing <laughs> in the summer. Um, so no, it used to open up. It used to open up in the in the summer, um, and it, we had two flumes. We had diving oh. three diving boards, like diving pit, and we had the main pool. And then uh, you had like grounds all the way around. So when it was hot, you'd have several you know two or three thousand people in the grounds that we, wow. we were in charge of you know looking after and that <laughs> mate it was carnage there was some bad stuff <laughs> what bad stuff come oh, on mate. mate so nothing liable though <laughs> well no I, I don't know any names but um oh, we had um we had obviously accidents you know you had we had a guy one day jump off landed on another guy off the diving board oh broke his arm pretty bad um blood, a bit of blood um <laughs> not good not good not good <laughs> we had People at night were putting stuff in the uh, 
flumes and stuff, like, you know, a bit of glass or, you know, it was bad. you had to check everything every morning. Nice. Yeah, it was savage. Then you had, obviously, you know, kids and accents, your general kind of stuff. But yeah, it was also weird people. <laughs> I love this already. No, you do. Like, <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, paedophile. There was paedophiles, you know. So, what? yeah, you, you had to really be on, on your on your guard, you know? So, um, I remember one guy coming in, like taking photographs of kids in some, no. you know, we had to like, obviously you, you call the police, get rid of him. We had enough, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Well, cause it's that flipping wrong. We, you have to, didn't you? Know, we had this, we had this one day. So it was me and my mate Andy, like he was like my second in command or whatever. So we used to run it together. And, um, it was packed. There was like, it, you couldn't have fit anywhere in. It was like, imagine a beach when it's like, yeah. so all on these lawns, and we stood by the chair, like, you know, the big lifeguard chair. And this woman's come over the door and goes, um, excuse me, there's a bloke playing with himself on the grass. Oh, no. And we're like, you what? Yeah, there's a bloke. So we've gone over and I, I can remember him today. He's like grey curly hair. He had these aviators on. And he's like pea green, like speedos. And he's lying on his front. No. Playing himself in the middle of everyone, like, you know, and you're just like. What the? F- yeah. Yeah, totally. What do you what? do? Uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> literally did that yeah so I said to Andy like go down reception call the police which he did and then I said to him excuse me so you're going to have to come with me like and go down to reception and the police police are you know took, I don't wow. know what they do with him in the end yeah it was weird I had a screwdriver pulled on me one day a screwdriver? yes yeah we kicked this kid out I can't remember why he was fighting or something and uh, yeah he put, just pulled a screwdriver on you so again, you get the police, don't you? He got a right beat. The police give him a bit of... They give him a good smack yeah, around. But yeah, well, you, fair I play. didn't see it, but you could hear what was going on. Well, see but yeah, on, but man. going back to Lido, so as a result of running the swim, but I don't know what it was aimed to do with it, but I was managing the chlorine levels in the pool. Oh, so right. I stunk of chlorine that whole, like, you know, summer. So whether that had anything to do with it, because Graham and Steve were doing all right. But yeah, it was a weird old... But I, it was uh, Graham ended up catching the one we'd seen a photo, which was pretty cool. I don't know, 18, 19 pounds or something. Um, and then, yeah, then it was back to uni again, yeah. How were you fishing back then? Like, boy, you boilies, obviously, but like... Oh, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, where were rigs and stuff? Was it just knotless knots you were there? Yeah, it was probably... Yeah, it had just been... not. Yeah, it had just been... I don't even know if we... Yeah, it was probably not just a knotless knot. I don't even think we were using pop-ups a lot back then, which was probably a mistake when you look back. Mm. But, um, yeah, we were just... I think at that point I'd started... Using the liver mix right. from Hutchie, I think. Yeah. Now, now I think back. Um, and I'd make that home. We'd had some, like, disasters making boilies earlier on, like me and my brother, you know. I like, bet. I remember we ran out of base mix one day and we decided to get some flour out of mum's, like, flour <laughs> thing, and, which was great until we had, fla- you know, peach-flavoured Yorkshire puddings on the Sunday, which didn't get down very well, you know. Um, but, yeah, the liver mix, yeah, it was probably, yeah, we were probably using that. That was a good bait, that. Mm. Yeah. Mad. Yeah. What a time. That lifeguarding stuff is incredible. Oh, it was carnage, yeah. It was... It was. Um... What a first job. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was good. So from there, um, I think you as a person, obviously, work-wise, you were doing your lifeguarding thing. Yeah. You left with a degree from Sheffield, yeah? Yeah, so... Yeah. So, but before that... Yeah. So in my... Well, it would have been my fourth year at uni, but it was the third year on my course. Yes. Um, I'd gone back um, 
no, it was, I'm talking rubbish. It was the second year on my course. I'd gone back and like Steve and that had all gone away on work placement. Right. So I was kind of back, you know, and I went back into halls and probably went out a bit too much. I was a bit behind on my course. And anyway, I went in this one day and uh, got a bit of trouble really. Like I was, I hadn't been going to enough lectures basically. <laughs> and um, there was this old boy called George Hesp, who's an ex-RAF pilot. And he was, he sorted it all out for me basically. I sat, he sat me down, spoke with him. He was good as gold. And um, anyway, he said, right, you also, you know, you need a work placement, don't you, for the end of this year? I was like, yeah. He said, well, you need to be sorting that pretty sharpish. You're a bit behind. So I was like, oh, shit. It was like a 10-week thing at the end of the year. Yeah. So I'd gone home, like, racking my brains what to do, because I hadn't really been thinking straight at this point. And um, at uni, I had quite a few fishing books and various bits and bobs. And over the years, I'd got leisure sport catalogues and stuff like that. So the leisure sport catalogue was there. So I thought, do you know what? I'll write to leisure sport. Mm. So uh, next day I wrote a letter to leisure sport. Wrote a letter? I mean, come on. Yeah, I didn't have it. I mean, so this had been my, yeah, I didn't have an email address at this point. I got no. an email address my last year at uni, Did so I didn't have one then. No mobile phones. So I wrote a letter, like 48 hours le- later, I got a letter back from Ian Wells, who was the manager then of leisure sport, just saying, you know, dear Garth, we'd be very pleased to have you as a um, you know, work placement. Uh, um You'll be living at Horton um, and you start on this date. You'll be living at Horton? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I've, obviously I've gone into uni, giving them George the letter and he's like, oh, you did all right there, mate. You got on pretty sharpish. So I like wrote a letter back to Ian Welsh saying, thank you very much. I'll see you on that date. And that was the last, so that had been like October maybe. And that was the last correspondence we had. It was just like tip up at the gate at Horton on this date, you know, and Jeez. so mum and dad, mum and dad drove me down, um, got to the gate and we, I remember waiting around for a bit cause we did a game, didn't have phones. And then Dale clocked us, old yeah. Dale Smith, bless him. And, um, he come and let us in. Um, so I unloaded the car, mum and dad, like I said, the goodbyes and off they went. And, uh, Dale showed me, I was sharing a caravan with Dale. So he showed me in my room, dumped my stuff down. He goes, right, go and have a look. So I'm like, What? So, yeah, just go and, go and have a walk around, have a look. So, like, I, you know, I'm pretty intimidated at this point. Yeah, You mate. know, I'd been, like, you know, just messing around, really, fishing, I suppose. And all of a sudden, you, you walk around the lake and, you know, there's Keith Jenkins there, isn't there? And there's Laney and... Exactly. Laney wasn't probably there. That, but there was a lot, you know, a lot of good anglers. <clears throat> so, anyway, I've gone up. I remember walking up... So the, go church there's a couple of lakes there and you've got the boat pool and you've got the church and you're right so I'm walking up the spit someone catches one literally straight it was February early February I think I think it was a guy called Barramat I might be wrong but anyway it was one of the stockfish like mid double and I was like bloody hell seen a hawk carp like yeah although you know it was a it wasn't it was stockfish but it was still so so yeah so anyway walked around like really intimidated probably didn't say anything to anyone um you kind of recognise in your face. Yeah. Like, this was a year as well. Keith Jenkins had had a mega year. I think, I think at this point they'd had like five forties that, which these days, you know, people do, but yeah. back then it was off the scale. Um, so I, th- I think he'd had five from the start of June or something at this point. And it was now, like I say, the following year, early February. And um, anyway, walked around and Dale said, you're you going to go and fish then. So, it's like, okay, okay, you can, I, I was allowed to fish the boat pool. 
but I'd not fished a gravel pit or anything at this point. I'd brought a marker rod because I knew I'd need one. So I ventured off, fished this the swim called a point on the boat pool. Mate, I was so far out of my depth, I couldn't see the top of the, you know, the top of the water. It was like alien, weed. Yeah, weed. Gravel. And I remember, like, I was losing the light, obviously, you know, at that time of year. I just, I just put them in the edge. Like, it, it was like almost embarrassing. Like, I just didn't know what I was doing at all. So, well, literally just plonked them, like, under yeah, armour. Just put them down, I could see the baits. Like in February, because um, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, um, and it, I think at that point it probably did my confidence pretty bad. Like, because you know, I'm just like, oh man, this is bad. Um, anyway, it went on. I just probably did a couple more nights, but I was struggling. Yeah, um, and then luckily a couple of other students came down from college and they started fishing it. And because they were fishing, it gave me a little, and we could bounce ideas off each other. I felt a bit of an idiot asking Dale what I should be doing. And Dale was never the kind of guy that would go, right, this is what you need to do. This is spot. It always, Dale was always subtle with it. He would give you help, but it'd be in a very subtle way, like, um, but good way. But he was a brilliant angler, Dale. So anyway, we started fishing, together and we started catching a few and then it started to click um and i caught my first 20 pounder out there <clears throat> like a common um, you still weren't fishing in the edge you fishing out in the pond <clears throat> yeah started fishing out in the pond excuse me um yeah started fishing out in the pond started to work out how to use a mark float um right to try and you know to find areas that were clear not weedy um but i still still wasn't like that proficient at it do you know what i mean but this was so that, again, going back to the church, and whilst this was all going on, we were obviously working with Laysport, going around the fisheries, doing stuff. But Horton traditionally was a terrible winter water. Um, but when the days started to get longer, kind of February time, it started to wake up. So the anglers started to come. And that and that's a back end. Quite a few got caught, and I was lucky enough to see quite a few of them on the bank. You know, I'd... I'd grown up reading you know firstly kind of um book on red marple and then chris yates casting the sun but then rob mayland yeah like so rob mayland's books were massive to me like my mum had bought me foxpool one year yeah and you know like i don't know how many times i read that book um still one of my favorite chapters one step behind in there like by rob like where he's struggling like i still go back to that now like it's it's such a good book. So all of a sudden I'm seeing these fish that yeah, I've grown up yeah, exactly. like reading about. And um, I saw my first 30 pounder, which was chilly with the boxer. Um, Is that the first 30 pounder he saw? Yeah. So that was an old, it was a thought part fish that had come in. It wasn't one of the original longfield fish, but but then I think it was later that day um, I saw my first 40 pounder and that was Keith Jenkins with CPs. Wow. Um, 45 pound 12 or something you know like Monster. off the scale you yeah, know yeah a different level so fro- my mate Frogger say mate like at this point they weren't my mates obviously yeah but, um, uh, my mate Frogger with the lady like one of my favourite car full time um, so in the last day of the season uh, my mate Tony Parker now like mate now um, shoulders you know, shoulders yeah you exactly know, iconic like, unbelievable yeah so you, you're seeing these fish on the bank which was off the scale and then the season finishes 
and it's quiet. So it's gone from like, you know, hardly any swims taken to dead. Dead. But we could obviously walk and look and and we were still fishing the boat pool, but we spent more and more time looking at the church mm. because you, you could find them, you could see them. And then one day, um, at the top end up in uh, near a swim called Springgates, um, just up the tree watching Jack for like, I don't know, oh, half an hour, just... If you ever seen that photo, famous Chris Ball photo of him taking a floater? Yes. Just sat in, up in the water like that, just waddling, you know, and you'd see shoulders in. You'd walk around, you'd see shoulders in the RIP, and then you'd get up to the top, Dog Bay, and their shoulders again. It's like mental, that fish. You should, just, 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 go, you just go around. You, you see, that happened a lot, you know, with shoulders. So we were watching them, and um, I remember another day, um, Gary Bond. So I, I think I'd forgotten something from... Um, I was on the boat pool. I think I've forgotten something. So I was walking back to the caravan between the spit. Yeah. And I've a cough. I've like looked up and I, all these guys are really good to me. Like when you look back, you know, they were all like, they almost like welcomed you in a lot of them, you know, straight away. They were really friendly. So Gary was like, cough, get up here. Like, so I'm like, he's up this tree in Weedy Bay. So I've got up. He can look down there. Like, look down there, boy, look. <laughs> and he's put five key of bait in. Yeah. And all the, all Eight. the A team, they're all there, smashing Jack, it, mate, smashing it. Jack Shoulders, Lady uh, Lumpy, Coy, like all of them. And we, I mean, we still talk about it now whenever I see him. You know, it was mental, ridiculous. Yes, he's he's got down the tree, gone and got another five kilo bait, hoofed it in, and they're just levering it. You know, so yes, yeah, so that was it. Was mega. What did they have you actually doing on the lakes? What did you have to do? Was there anything sort of? So we were doing everything on all all the venues. So. Um, it was around that time that Leisure Sport, Ian Welsh, yeah. started stocking fish, really. Okay. You know, so we put the first fish in Sandhurst, for example, mm. um, the Blue Pool. Um, we were netting. So we were setting up the South Lake at Yateley at the time. So we were netting lakes like Horsham and Pump House over there. Um, you know, and basically doing that, there'd be tree work, various places. We weren't on the chainsaws, but we'd be labouring. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Um yeah, and then I'd say on the build-up to the season that year, 97, on Horton, so we prepared the lake, basically, for the you know the guys to come back, um, which was, you know, mowing. Because I don't know, if any of you've been Horton, yeah. like, Dale used to keep, it was like his back garden. Manicured. It was manicured, yeah. you know. Yeah. It was the only place you could fish with no shoes and socks on it. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was lovely. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff, yeah. But, there, I mean, there was a, you know, like, I remember going over to Amwell, um, which was a lay sport, venue at that point we had to go and try and catch some tench for a section 30 or whatever it was then right so um i think the the assistant manager adrian at the time was like bring your cut bring your float rod like cause it was hot so we've gone over and sure enough there on i might have fluked one of the biggest mirrors in the lake but a fish called batman out of the top like how big was batman um 20s Six, I think. It's a decent fish, isn't it? Mate? It was all right. Yeah, <laughs> it was mega like that. That's decent. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. So it was, but it was a sh- really sharp, like learning curve. You know, um, you just couldn't. I don't, I don't know what. When you look back, I don't know. I had the bollocks to even think about, kind of talking to these guys. You know, just probably youthful ignorance. You know, I suppose. But how much of that shaped you as well? Like that's that's oh, mad, isn't it? Tons, like. Probably little things that people don't realise. So I remember one day, like I say, I was struggling with the light mark floats plumbing and all that. 
and um, got walking along the spit and CP, Chrissy Pearson, really good old boy, like, he was plumbing up in like one up or two up or something. This was in the close season. Yeah. And I ended up, I thought, I know what. <laughs> Now's <laughs> my chance. <laughs> I'm just oh. going to chat to him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just spoke to him. I didn't ask him, but I was watching everything he did the whole time. Yeah. You know, like, and Chrissy would be like, oh, that's the spot, boy. Like, oh, Dory, look at that. You know, like, like he did. Um He'd be like, say he wouldn't have known, but that was, I remember that to this day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Dell and um, Dell was mega. Other guys, you know, like Frogger, um, Tony Park, mate, Dave Vargas. Yeah, they were just mega. It took me into my wing, their wing a little bit and um, and helped me, you know. It was, yeah, special, really special times, yeah. What a melting pot of anglers, mate. Oh, it's, it, was it was the place, I suppose, and it's the mecca of like. It was probably yeah. it was right up there at the time. You probably yeah. you know you probably had of of no more. It's obviously you got your you know publicity type ones, but um, yeah, there was obviously it was probably really there in Yateley, you know, at that point that were you know yeah. right up there. So which was yeah, it was special, great times then. And uh, my work placement ended, um, which was like say it was ten weeks. But I'd, I'd asked Ian if I could stay on, so I ended up staying on in the for the summer. So I got a job. There was a couple of other students. One of my friends, Ian Kerr, uh, his name is. Still, I spoke to him last week. Um, he, me and him would both stayed living at Horton for that summer, and we both got jobs in the Five Bells pub up, just up the field. Yeah, nice. Because we, because uh, Ball, I think they, I think Ian could. He was paying us like seventy quid a month. Literally, like seven slave labor. It might have been seventy-five at a push. Like. Um, but we had no bills. We had no um, accommodation yeah, costs. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just buying a lot, a few fags and a bit of cheese on toast. You know, yeah. Um, so we, but we got we got a job each of the the five bells, um, and we had yeah, we lived down there for the summer. That's what. Yeah, what was the five bells like, mate? Back in the day, five bells was quite good, mate. Was it decent? Yeah, it was quite good. We spent a bit of time up there. Probably latterly, uh, you know, that summer we did, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, we spent a bit of time up there, yeah. Good scene with all the boys as well? Yeah, like? a few had come up. Quite lively? Quite lively at times. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, yeah, there was loads of stories in the Five Bells. Yeah, there was, yeah. Best night at the Five Bells? What was it? It's got, well, if you can remember it. I don't know if I can tell some of them. Oh, come, you can definitely creatively tell okay. some of them. Try to think. This, this was a couple of years later, mind, right? So, right. Weird. I'm trying to think now. Weird. Me, guy called Chris Hall, Starman. There's people. Anyone's fish taught back then with no Starman. Starman. Yeah, and, and Johnny Shoes. Shoes, eh? And we'd gone up, uh, we'd gone up the Five Bells and we obviously had a few beers and we'd met these two girls. And anyway. One thing led to it. We they, we brought they came back to the um, lodge to have a few beers. Horton Lodge. Yeah, we were having a few beers and, and what have you. And Chris um, was chatting to one of them. Anyway, all of a sudden, this girl went absolutely bonkers, like crackers. What do you mean? Started screaming, like punching Chris, like smashing things in the lodge, like you know, throwing cups off table, that kind of stuff. So we're like, whoa, whoa, right, you've got to go. You've got to, you know, you've got to go down in the caravan. Like, we're going to get in trouble here. And again, this was, let's say it was a couple of years after uh, this. Anyway, so they've gone and um, they started, they'd left about three or four minutes and Chris went, God, 
where's your wallet? Oh. It's like, what do you mean? Go, well, our wallets are on the table there, weren't they? Yeah. She's taking them, right? So we're running, we're running up this path back towards the five bells. And we, we caught her just as you get to car park on five bells, right? So Chris, we'd obviously had a few. Chris grabbed her handbag. And you've got our wallets, right? She started screaming like you've never. That's not a good look, is not it? Not really when her brother, when she lived next door to five bells. She lived next door? Yeah, and oh. her brothers come running out, you know, and all of a sudden we're faced with two brothers and that area. Yeah. Um, you know, some tough people, isn't there? Yeah. So, yeah, all of a sudden they've come out and I'm like, mate, this is not going to end well. No. Chris's got older handbag. Oh, he'd, she, she, he'd let, let go of the handbag and she'd fallen on her, on her ass as well at this point. So Brilliant. it didn't look good. Anyway, we explained to these, to these <laughs> brothers what had happened and nothing, we got away with it. Anyway, walked back. Did she have your wallet though? Yeah, she had her wallets, yeah. So that um, Chris was screaming a bit more at the brothers than I was. Now, whether that had anything to do with it, I don't know. But we went back to the lodge. We literally, we were sleeping in the lodge that night because it was in the winter. And we barricaded the doors. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, I was like, oh, shit, I was shitting myself. Because I'd gone, um, I was going on holiday the next day. I think I might have been going skiing or something. Right. And, yeah, or something like that. And I've got no wallet. Like, how can you go on holiday with no wallet? Well, I can't, can I? <laughs> Nightmare. So, anyway, we've barricaded. Next morning, we wake up, my wallet's outside the door. Like, well, the brothers are brought them back. Yeah. So, didn't bring Chris's back. I don't know why, but. Um, well, he might. We just couldn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's probably the craziest one. But it was loads of, loads of stuff. Yeah, loads of stuff. It's mad how that, like, whole scene, you think about that now. Obviously, there is a scene, but, like, that whole is so sort of romantically, you like reminisced about the antics and stuff that went on around yeah. a lot of those waters and, and that being part of that culture. Well, like I, different I, pubs, different yeah, sort different. of. I think um, no one, it never did anyone any harm, you know, uh, we weren't, we weren't leaving the rods out or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But yeah so, Good times. Yeah. Fish, in terms of Horton, was that your chapter sort of closed? You finished that summer job done on there? Or? No, a lot happened after that, to be fair. So, Go on. Um, so that, like I say, that close season, obviously I was watching the fish and everything. Um, and some fish had been introduced to Horton. Um, trying to think how to word it. That's probably all I'll say on that, really. Now, the start, like I say, we'd got the lake ready. For the start of the season, um, there was always a draw, mm. I think normally the week before, which had happened. I think I, I think I'd gone home for a few days, seeing mum and dad and all that, um, at the start of the season. And my mate Ian Kerr, like I say, he was a student with, he rung me up at about second day of the season or something, um, saying something's wrong. There's a few fish gasping and that in the edge. Mm. Um, then he rung me the next day, one had died, then another one, and then I I travelled back down. And um yeah, it was it was carnage. That it was obviously the famous Horton fish kill, really. Mm. Um they shut the lake. Um and then yeah, the fish fish started rolling basically. Uh, a lot of the A team. So we were getting up in the morning, oh. um, you know, going out looking for fish. Um, and a lot of them old ones died, lady died, lumpy, you know, loads of them. Jesus. Um, and 
somewhere in the middle of it all, I think they needed a fish for health check. They'd sent a dead fish off. Yeah. To be, but they said to check, I think it was for parasites. I'm not an expert on that, but for some reason they wanted a live carp. A live carp? Live carp, yeah. So, so Dell went out in a boat, um, baited an area in the middle of the lake, in this one called the Captors, right centre of the lake, really good area. And he'd fished for a couple of nights. Now he had to go back to where he used to work in the like, dairy, I think, and okay. milk. On the third night, so he tasked me with doing, doing the night. So my first night on Horton, I was fishing for a carp that if I caught it, was going to be killed, you know? Brilliant. Yeah, not brilliant, is it? Um, <laughs> the worst first yeah, night on Savage. North. And I had this conversation with Dale, like, what happens if, what happens if I catch shoulders? Yeah. And Dale was like, Put it back. No. Put it back. You would, I would have. You? Yeah, I would have. You're not, you're not. No, I wouldn't have done it, like but that's what, that was what the, the, the kind of thing was. So anyway, I, th- I remember I had a bream on each rod. That'll do. Absolutely. <laughs> Just threw him in the middle of nowhere. Not that, not that bream. No, but no, but it was good because I, I literally I had a bream and I just didn't cast them back in in a spot. Like I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to do that. Anyway, I think on the fourth night, Dell caught um, a little common, like one. But it was one of the old, you know, it's a little common, oh, but it was not? one of the old like Longfield wildies, you know, like so old as old as hills, you know. Mm. But um, so that went off to be tested, but it it still came back inconclusive, I think. But then. Obviously, we lost beer. I think it was on one weekend. It was about a week or two into the kill. And obviously, there was a lot of bad feeling around. You know, a lot of the anglers were really angry. They spent a lot of time. A lot of these guys spent a lot of time in there, you know, invested a lot of time. They loved, yeah. loved the place, loved the lake. A lot of anger around. And then I think it was on a Sunday, like in the middle. And there was loads, loads of anglers would come down. And oh, so, so anglers were still coming down? They weren't fishing, but they were allowed. They were coming onto the oh, site. No. But yeah, but they were, you know, they were... They cared about it. Yeah, they cared about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you wouldn't. I don't think it had been good to stop them, really, you know. Mm. And this one day, I think we'd found a 30 pound common called Goldie, um, which is one of the old Longfield ones again. And then I think it might have been Peter Bond, like Pete the painter, had seen something um, in the weed and they got the boat out. And he, he went and got it and shout went up. It was CPs, which was the, CPs was, at that point was like the the great hope for the lake, it had gone big, quick. It had gone yeah. in at like, I don't know, 21 pound maybe. It had gone like 36, 38, 41. It was on the up. Yeah, it was. And there was talk of it at that point, maybe challenging Mary, you know, at that point. Um, and you could see, that's the first time I've really seen, you know, how attached people are to some of the fish they're fishing for, I suppose. Mm. Mate, it just went silent. There was tears in some people's eyes. Like some people just went straight away. Um, Peter brought a fish back, said, you know, go and get a couple of shovels. We, you know, did what we did with all the others. We be- we buried it. And then people just went, you know, it was, it was savage. That, that was, I always that's, remember that as the kind of the worst day, really. Um, that's brutal, mate. Isn't it? Yeah, it was pretty grim. From seeing them all feed on 5 yeah, on the edge yeah, to, to, to that. burying them. And then it went on with, I think... I think Dell always said, like, you know, Jack, Jack, we need Jack to survive, you know. Jack was Queen Lake, King Lake, it was a female, yeah. but called Jack. And I think we'd gone six days without losing one. And we were still getting up every morning, going out. And me, Dell, and a student, I think his name is Ed, had gone out this one morning. And we'd gone up to the top 
um, near a swim called Lookout and there was a fish like upright. Just like I said, I'd seen it, you know, in the water, just kind of up, not long gone. And yeah, it was Del said initially he thought it was the fish called the peach, but no, it was Jack. And uh, yeah, we buried, buried her like, and that was kind of the, that was the last one to go, you know. Nail in the coffin, job yeah. done. Yeah. But again, there was a lot of ill feeling. I remember we had a meeting in, well, Ian Welsh called a meeting, you know, for the members. Um, offering them the money back if they didn't want to join that year. Mm. It's a pretty heated meeting. I bet. Yeah, fair play to him, Matt. You know, fronting that because there was a lot of angry guys there. What was the main? What was what was ever surmised? Anything from from the cause of death around there or not? Um, no, not really. Not officially. Not officially. No. Okay. No, I'm pretty certain. Yeah. You know, I know what what probably caused it, but equally, I think back then. Not as much was known, of course. You know about about the problems it could could cause. You know, mm. um, and in this meeting, Ian had outlined the you know what his plan was in terms of the future. So um, I think short term there was some fish that potentially could come out of Thorpe Park, which I think they had permission to move that had proven themselves to be compatible with the the haunt fish. Um, so that was that was one option, and then the following year he'd said it was the first kind of Mark Simmons stockings. Right. Okay. So, but as a result of people deciding not to renew their ticket, I then got offered a ticket, um, and it I, it wasn't an easy decision to be honest because no. there was like I say there was a lot of ill feeling. Um, I didn't really feel like I might be seen to be taking advantage, advantage of, of the, yeah. the situation but some of the people I knew I'd got to know had, had kept their tickets um, and at that point I thought do you know what I've only got a few weeks left like I'm probably not coming back here now you know like I'm going back to uni I've got one more year at uni and then who knows like where it'll go so I thought sod it you know um, yeah. I sold a couple of high bores century high bores bought me ticket it was like 400 quid or something. And yeah, I had a, had a little go. Um, didn't fish your ass out of it. So again, I felt like I didn't want to be seen to be, yeah, you know, but I had a little go and uh, I lost two. You lost two? Yeah. Two what, pools? No. So the first one, Dale bless him. I, up to this point, I've been using 11 pound silk cast line. Like, right. <laughs> you know, it was just old tough old rope. And Dale, I, Dale, I need some new line. Dale, give me some... I don't really diver sensor, which I never got on with. Anyway, right. I hooked this fish. I was fishing a swim up the top called Church Bay Steps. Lovely little swim in a little bay. Um, so it's at the top, top of Horton. The right side is like a little like dog leg, bay, like a bay. It's right in the back of there. Beautiful. You'd only fish down the edge. Um, Horton's really deep, so it'd just be down the edge, back lead. And I hooked the first one one morning, got me in a wee bed. Just one of those, you know, you just put in the pressure and fish starts to move like boom. boom yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, you feel goes, it. You just broke, line broke. I was like, oh man, what'd you do? Anyway, second one. I Just the same morning? No, it was, a, it was another week later. So I'd been trickling a bit of bait in there. And this one day, I think, I think I'd been, I'd been working. I can't remember if I was working at Five Bells or working, whatever, anyway. It was lashing down with rain. And me and, a guy called Tony Parker, my mate Tony, had come down. 
and we were stood there with our barrows under the veranda just waiting for it to stop raining and it didn't really stop so we got in Tony's car went up five bells had something to eat had a pint come back down still raining sat there all of a sudden it broke rain broke we're like right go right. <laughs> so we're legging it right we're running up the church bank Tony, I think Tony was fishing like a scooter or something like not that far just gets to his swim starts lashing again mm. doesn't it He's laughing, shouting at me, giving me jip, like putting his brolly up, getting his stuff under dry. I'm running up as fast as I could. <laughs> Run around Church Bay, get around the first corner sweet, try to cut the second corner a bit too sharp. Barra goes down the bank, everything everywhere. No. Like, soaked. So I've got it all up as quick as I can, put it back in the barrow, got to swim, brolly up. Um, everything's underneath, right? Sound. So I'm wet, but it's all right. Gets the first rod out of time. Second rod I've got in. I didn't have head torch, but I had, you know them rubber torch jobbies. You used to grip in your mouth. Yeah, and you'd sliver a bit yeah. and it dribble <laughs> yeah. down your front like you needed a bib, right? So I'm putting the battle on and holding this torch in. I've dropped it out of my mouth and oh. it's, it's gone into the lake, rolled down. And bear in mind, I'm literally fishing down a margin, like close. You've killed it. I've just watched it settle on the bottom, thinking, it's only a shit torch. Like, it's going to go out in a minute. Nah, didn't. So. I decided, I stripped off, got in t- down to my pants, jumped in, swam down to the bottom, grabbed the torch, like kicked off the bottom. I could feel all my boilies mushing under my feet as I no. really maple peas I was using. Gets to the top, gets out, takes my pants off, throws them on the tent, gets into the bed. Like, next morning. So I run out, like, pick the rod up. <laughs> Hook this fish, looked across, it's Dale and a guy called Jock, uh, I think his name's Ron Wood, like Jock, looking at me like, and all of a sudden now I've just realised I'm Starkers, and I? Like, looked down, like, must have been cold that morning. <laughs> and, um, yeah, anyway, they start walking around. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to stand here playing a carp in me, in me, like, you know, Stark, bollocks. So, <laughs> so anyway... This fish, again, found the wee bed, so I've quickly run back up, put these cold pants on, like, gone back to Rod, Ooh. picked the rod up. Dale and, um, Dale and Ron came round, and uh, Dale was like, right, I'll go and get the boat. And just as he said that, the fish started again to kick, and it came free, and, it, and I've got about, I don't know, 10 yards back, and then hook pulled. Oh. And, uh, yeah. What could have been, I, I threw my rod, and, uh, like, in disgust, and Dale, and... Jock just kind of left me to it. I was gutted, like. And then later that day, Dale come back and said, um, that was a bit childish, wasn't it? What, throwing your rod? Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? He's going, throwing your rod. I was like, yeah, but I was pretty pretty pissed, Dale. He was like, yeah, but mate, you can't afford to buy a new one, can you, if you break it? I was like, no. Like, you know, like, head, head master yeah. turn you off. I'm sorry. Like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what happens if you break your reel? Really sorry, Dale. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Never thrown a rod since. Have you not? No. Like, it, it was good. Dale was really good at them, like, little lessons, you mm. know? Just, like, straight. Um, loads of little things. I remember um, I remember walking around late one day, and he was like a heron, Dale. You knew Dale, didn't you? No, I never you met never Dale. Knew? No. I know Dale's legacy with the fish. That's all yeah. I really know. But I never met him. Yeah, now, well, Dale, Dale would watch everything, like, you know? And he'd see me go around the lakes one day, and I'd come around, and he can you see anything? I was like, no, mate, no. He goes, uh, not really surprised, mate. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you didn't stop in each swim for more than a minute. I was like, he goes, mate, when you go around, just spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes in each swim, look 
you know, do it properly. And he was right, you know. Yeah. He was proper right. Yeah. What a boy, mate. Yeah, it was a few things, yeah. So that kind of, yeah, the end of that summer, I obviously go back to uni. So went back home, left me mate Ian Kerr. Um, he was a student, like I say there. He, he was going to stay down and get a job down there. Right, okay. Um, which he did. I mean, it's funny how it goes, isn't it? But like in latter years, he started a company that um, took England fans around the world to watch cricket. Um, he did pretty well with it. And I've been on a couple of trips with him. Like, well, army, army tours. Took, well, how's that travel, it was called. So yeah, I've been on a couple of like, I worked for him as a tour manager in my holidays to go and t- like, look after his customers. Yeah, so that was funny how it goes, isn't it? But yeah, so I went back to uni. Well, went back home. I had a month before I went back to uni. And uh, I thought, you know what? I've learned quite a bit that summer. I'll try and catch some Derbyshire fish, you know? I don't really know how we'd come across this lake. I think we'd seen a photograph somewhere, maybe in the Times or the Mail back then, uh, of a 30-pounder, like. And it just looked like this lake. Um, and those in Derbyshire, it's a place, in Co- a place called Cotmanay, um, near the old American Venture Park it used to be. And it's like nestled in between this canal towpath and this railway embankment. Right. So we kind of put two and two together. It looked like this photo was taken with a railway embankment you know, embankment in the background. So we decided to go and go. Me and my mate Graham went first. Went down his old um, beetle, this yellow beetle thing, <laughs> chugging around. Took oh, us everywhere, that car, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh no, it wasn't a yellow, it was green. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> He'd tell me off, he picked me up on that. Anyway, um, we'd gone down. It was about half a mile down this the um, canal towpath you'd walk. It was a little drop down, and like I say, it was nestled between this. And on the other side, maybe 30 yards across, was this stone railway. Right, yeah. So we got the rods out. I caught one pretty quick. It was like nothing big. It was really like upper double, upper single, sorry. Like, but real gnarly, like leathery old looking thing. Like. So we were like, wow, if, if there are big ones in here and they look like that, we'd be quite happy. I'm sat in Graham Swims, just getting dusk. And then this thing rose on the off the other side of the railway embankment in front of us. Um and walked across the railway embankment in front of us. Right like say thirty yards in front of us. And it was it was a big cat, like a you know, a I don't know what it was. Well, like a panther. Some along that yeah, could have been. I don't know. How how far away are you look seeing this? Thirty yards. Thirty yards. The other side of the lake, which isn't very wide. So you couldn't be No, I mean it, was, it wasn't a fox, it wasn't a dog. It's black. It was silhouetted though, but so we oh, could okay. see the shape. Um but you could see the long tail. You could see the way it wasn't it what you know. Oh mate. And then it must have walked <laughs> Yeah. Twenty yards. But so after bear in mind, after this we call this pond scary pond. Yeah. It, it must have walked 20 yards across in front of us. You see that whole 20 yards? Yeah, it's, it's literally right in front of us, yeah. Oh, my God. And then it's dropped down the other side of the railway embankment. And I've, like, looked at Graham. He's looked at me. Oh, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't really know what to say. We should pack up and go. No, we couldn't. Um, well, we could have, but we were too scared. <laughs> so <laughs> we got ourselves the right tears. There was no mobile, no bone bar still. Graham obviously was driving, but I think almost it was a little bit of disbelief, like, yeah. to start with. Yeah, yeah. There was rumours in that area, like the beast of, you know, like the beast of whatever, like 
Beast of Wayne Groves, I think it was. Or... Derbyshire, come on. Yeah, honestly, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you hear these stories, don't you? But, mate, we saw, we saw it. Mate, and... you saw it as bold as that. Yeah, and, we, and anyway, so that night we didn't sleep. <laughs> we got ourselves in the right old tears. We were absolutely shitting ourselves. What was your plan if it goes? I don't know. Rock up, I can't even remember. I think gonna... I think the classic. We got bank sticks. You know, I think that was the the thing. So brilliant. Anyway, we we gone the next morning, and I think we I think we just kind of wrote it off as like we were seeing things or something because we went back. I mean, what what were we doing? Like you know. Anyway, I've got, and I went back on my own. So on your own is a big shout. Stupid. Well, isn't it? Stupid. I think. But I used to take my dog. Like that was going to do anything. What L- dog? What dog? Black like Labrador called Cinders. Oh, yeah, vicious those labs. Dangerous, isn't mate. Yeah, <laughs> and and she was like, she was a rescue dog. She was really protective. So mm. if you, she'd be fine. If if I met you walking down the bank, she'd be fine. As soon as we settled, and you came up, she'd be like, you know, on you. So she was yeah. really territorial. And I'd done a couple of nights. I'd had. Um, I'd have my first Derbyshire 20, like a 22 pounder or something like that out there. That's pretty decent. Mega, Dobbs, yeah, yeah, lovely. It was a lovely carp as well. And I've gone back and uh, this one night I'd had like an 18, I think. And then it went dark. I'd gone to sleep. About two in the morning, like the dogs woke me up, like growling, like a real deep throated, like, oh, no. And I've like, what? I've got woke up. I've like, and I've put the torch on her and she stood up, just heckles, all her heckles are up like bristling. I didn't know what to do. Like, what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. So I sat there. It must've gone on 20 minutes. She was just growling. 20 you know? minutes. It, it might not. It felt like it. It was, it, it certainly wasn't over in a minute, you know? Have you made like a load of noise and seen if something? No, I was sorry. I didn't want to make a noise. I don't know. Just don't know. I don't think I've ever been like quite as, maybe with Graham the first time, but yeah. Yeah, you're on your own, mate. Yeah, you no, dog, again, I, I couldn't, I didn't have a car. I'd been dropped off by my parents. Um, I didn't have a phone. Didn't have a, even have a barrow at this point. So it's not like I was... I'm just one big live yeah, bait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big live bait. <laughs> anyway, after about whatever time it was, she kind of calmed down the dog. And I remember flicking the radio on. It was the night Princess Di died. So I ended up just sitting up all night oh. listening to the radio, you know, and that was... Uh, that got you through Pamphagate. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? That is yeah. mad. I didn't go back after that. No footprints, no nothing. You didn't see I anything. Didn't, like I that? didn't I didn't check, mate, to be fair. Like got off. I, and as soon as I yeah, as soon as I could in the morning I was Imagine, mate. I don't know. It's weird, yeah. It was... Imagine if you needed a pee. You would not go, <laughs> would you? <laughs> no, I mean I've spoken to a couple of other guys, you know, since like Marcus Howarth, I remember him telling me he saw one jump the um, a black panther jumped the um, uh, otter fence at Roach Pit. Another guy I met in Ringwood Tackle, Rupert Morale, big big marauding Rupert. Like he saw one on the Hampshire Raven opposite him, Jeez. Like, walking down the river with him and stuff. So yeah, there are rumours yeah. people that, like people who have them as pets or people who've had them as like little zoo sort of yeah. home zoos. They got I out. Don't know. Yeah, I mean there, there was rumours, isn't there? Yeah, it was a Dangerous Animals Act or something. One in the seventies that they talk about people releasing stuff, but I, I don't know. There was a it was a pet shop, in a place called Codner, where it's where, funny enough, where I bought my first fishing rod. Um, and he was apparently, you know, he had all kind of exotic animals or brilliant. Something. You don't know, do you? No. But I didn't go back after that. I went no, back to I went back to uni in the pubs. Yeah, mate. Last year, 
<laughs> uni in the pubs yeah. sounds a lot safer than battling pamphlets <laughs> well, yeah. in Derbyshire yeah. wow unbelievable mate yeah. so from there back to uni post uni years talk to me about how, how that sort of shaped you because obviously you're doing a a business degree, yeah so yeah but i went i went straight back to home did you yeah like um i got my ticket renewal through uh, whilst i was in my last year and i couldn't afford it you know it's 400 quid mm. 150 150 quid i think it might have gone up a little bit because of the fish and stuff or whatever but so i got the renewal letter and i sat on it for a couple of weeks and i just thought you know what there's no way you're finding this money you're up in sheffield like you don't know what you're doing after uni you're going to just have to kind of, that's a chapter done. So again, I wrote a letter to Ian Welsh. Um, and he, like Ian was, Ian was really good to me. Like, you know, you know, when I was there, I wrote him this letter saying, you know, thank you very much for the opportunity last year. Like really enjoyed it. Um, but unfortunately I can't afford a ticket, you know, mm. renewal this year, you know, but once again, thank you very much. Anyway, again, 40 hours later, I got a letter back from Ian saying, you know, hi Garth. Um, thank you for your letter and kind words or whatever. Um, couldn't really pay you a lot last year, seventy quid a month. Um, but <laughs> you remember that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But we would like, you know, to offer you this free Horton ticket for the coming season. Um, hopefully, see you two weeks down here. Thank you. Ian. I was like, what, mate? Unbelievable, that wasn't it? So after uni, I decided to go down. Have two weeks fishing down there. You can only do seven nights, I think. So. I had arranged to go to one of my friends from uni's house for the one night and go back. The first week I was there, my mate Ian, who had stayed down there, mm. he'd said to me, like, well, why don't you get a job down here? He was working at Heathrow Airport or something. Um, well, yeah, he was, because I ended up doing it. <laughs> In left luggage, getting said, um, well, yeah, I'll get your job interview. Why don't you come and do it? And you can move down. I was like, all right. So he lent me some clothes. He was quite a bit taller than me, which isn't odd, but so they were a bit baggy and stuff on the trousers. But yeah, so I went, he drove me over, went, had this interview, got a job, um, which I'd been pretty pissed of, I didn't, it was just carrying bags into this hole to be fair. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then did the first week, um, stayed with my mates, went back, got back quite late. And uh, I remember saying, right, I'll, st- I'll keep the night in the lodge. Mm on the brander and then I'll get up in the morning and have a watch. And uh, I got up in the morning, I see some fish showing over near a swim called the reeds. So I barrowed around there and there was a few, could see a few, um, cast a couple of single pop-ups out there. Um, literally an hour later I had a bite and I landed this one for like, which was my (laughs) my first one. So it was a fish called Starburst, which was a lovely old, old carp. Um, those of Red Lane, his book was photographed. His book of, um, him with his old dog, fat Sam, like, with it, beautiful old lovely carp. So yeah, I was off off and running. That was mega, like lovely, lovely moment. That and again, you're saying back to Dell. I remember Dell kind of coming up to me and going, um, "About time that." Yeah, you know. And it wasn't. I don't think he made a dig. I think Dell. It was almost like Dell was saying, "You can do it." Like yeah, you just yeah, got to, yeah. you know, get your get your shit together, like you know. So yeah, I was remembered. Yeah, so that was that. So yeah, after that, those two weeks, I, I went home. Um. I don't even know how we did it, but me and my mum found us me some digs like in Feltham. Right. Nice part of the world. Feltham? Yeah. There's no young offenders there. Yeah, there is, yeah. <laughs> I never went there though. <laughs> um so yeah, it's kind of next town along from Hounslow. Um 
yeah, so literally moved back down, like literally the week after I moved back down, went into the shared house, started working at Heathrow and started fishing the horn. Yeah, just like that, really. I would say the dream without the work in the middle. The work with the the work was really interesting. Was it? Not the work, it's probably the wrong phrase, but the, the airport was a really interesting place to mm. work. So, um there was all kinds of stuff going on. Like what? There were scams going on left, right and centre. What scams? I don't know, baggage people, not with us, but like, like little backhanders. Not not with us, but you could hear you'd hear about things like and I didn't I didn't buy any cigarettes for yeah, oh yeah, for like forever. Then I've got a photograph at home somewhere of my fireplace. Like I had a mantelpiece in my room, yeah, stacked to the ceiling with Marlborough, like because people like leave Pablo on, Escobar yeah, putting it in your walls. Yeah, yeah people would leave them on the back of trolleys, and you know, like you get four hundred <laughs> fags or whatever. Like, and then I mean, there was another time. So you, we had to, we'd learnt or been trained to, um, uh, what's the word, X-ray. Baggage, because it was coming in to be left for a, however long people wanted to leave it for. So we had to learn, oh, it's a couple of stories here, actually. <laughs> so we had to learn to recognise, like, obviously what was in them and what wasn't, so that, you know, it was explosive. The yeah, you mean, look, you, I yeah, went yeah, on a course yeah. on the x-ray machine, so. I thought you meant just look at that bag, oh, I know what you No, <laughs> not like psychic. No, like, <laughs> That's amazing. Mm, so, you know, probably, like, we'd done an x-ray course, you know. So the bags used to go through this machine. This one day, this bloke's come up. Put your stuff through. I've gone, sorry, sir, you're going to have to uh, open that one up. Like, there's some batteries in it. Well, likely batteries for other yeah. case. So, anyway, he's opened it up, like, and he's gone, oh, it's me mother-in-law's. Anyway, he's dug through it, and you know what he's pulled out, didn't you? Never. This massive black dildo. <laughs> like, and he's shaking it at me, right? And he's got this photograph of his mother-in-law, and he's going, look, that's my no, mother-in-law, and he's no, shaking it around. No. Mate, yeah. And then another time... Mate, honestly, we were just That's we were just brilliant. crying. We what crying. do you do with that? Laugh. That's all you yeah, can do. That's all you can do. And then um, yeah, another time, um, it was this guy. I think he was like Chinese or something. He was putting some bags through, and um, all of a sudden, like, looked down the concourse and like someone said, "Stop him!" Like, and it's this old boy, like dressed right. in like a white, you know, little hat and all that. Stop him! And there's this kid like running down the concourse. So I've like just thought he's a shoplifter. So I've like left this matey like I said well, just hang on a sec I'll be back and I've run out and gone out through the doors onto like outside Terminal 3 and I've chased this guy down the concourse like outside and he's got to these reins he's turned and I thought you know what he's going to pull something so I oh. smashed him as hard as I could what do you mean like just took him just out just rugby tackled him into these railings as hard as I could <laughs> flattened him <laughs> and um He's gone down, and all of a sudden he started throwing these silver packets everywhere. What? And he was like, yeah, he, he was smuggling. He'd been smuggling, smuggling drugs. So I was like, oh, man. So I went back, like went back inside, and the Chinese guy still pulling all the bags through, none the oh wiser. Oh, my days, yeah. mate. The old smuggle run. Yeah. I got a reward for that. I got 250 quid reward from customer. What, for smashing people? Yeah, well, well right. smashing people. But that, funnily enough, that skiing old day I was on about earlier, where before she... Um, shoes and yeah. all that, that the, the reward pay for that holiday as it goes there you go that's perfect mate what yeah. a career you missed out on there yeah it was good it's a smash it man if you see <laughs> mate if I'd known he was a drug smuggler I'd have probably stayed where I was yeah. I thought he was just a shoplifter yeah yeah blinking hell that is yeah. tasty for so yeah it was, it was it? interesting it was definitely it wasn't like a dull job but it was also on shift so oh right in yeah, terms yeah. of like fishing I'd probably get like a three night session every two weeks that it'd work you know it'd work out 
which was good. So I wasn't driving at this point, so Dale would kindly let me leave my gear over at Horton in the like, lock-up in the lodge. Right. And I'd just get this um, this cab to take me over. And I'd have the same cab driver every time. Like So he, he knew where we were going, and he'd take me over and bring me, pick me up on my way back. That is happy days, yeah. mate. John, his name was, an Irish fella, yeah. Good old Irish John. Irish John. He'd, he'd mate, <laughs> Irish John, right? every single time he'd pick me up, on the way there he'd ask me if I caught Mary yet. Is that what he- Every time, <laughs> every time. He goes, so you caught that Mary yet? I'd be like, no, nah. no mate, it doesn't it don't live in I'm in, in the wrong lake, lake yeah. mate. But after about five or six trips, you're like, no, nah, mate, still not got it. You know, like, because what do you do? I'm not going to yeah. keep saying it. It's like, it's like when someone's got your name wrong. Yeah. You yeah. just let them have it. Yeah, you? yeah, you just, yeah, Gareth happens yeah. all the time. You just let go, don't you? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. You're angling on Horton, you said that. That first capture, yeah. Um, you talked about a pop up. You talked about fishing for you. How did you find your wrangling on there coming back? Had you progressed enough? Had you got a no? I was still, I was still way out of my league. Like, well, yeah, yeah, really. Um, I think. Do you know what? What I'd, I wasn't earning a lot of money. I probably didn't have enough money to buy bait and stuff. Really, that you'd have liked. Yeah. Um, but that first year I struggled. I, I, I had, like I say, I had that one in June. I'd want another uh, original July. So I'm thinking I'm doing all right. You know. You'd catch three or four. You'd done all right out there. Mm. Um, but I didn't get any more like that year. I could say that. I probably had six or eight of the stock fish, but I didn't get any of the ones you wanted. What do you mean you had six or eight? That's quite a few more bites, mate. Yeah, but... The originals, you can't really... You can't really no, no, but what I think... I don't know. I, I I didn't really photograph many of them either, like, which, again, your hindsight, you look back and think, oh, it's probably a bit stupid, but... I don't know. Is it? I think with what happened and... Mm the way they were viewed at that time, it, you know. Took the gleam off. It, well, there was certainly no, I've caught a 12-pounder kind of thing, you know. It was just, you put it back and that was that, you know. It was the, it was the old ones you wanted, no doubt. Um, Rig-wise, you developed at all? You, you said pop I, I was think I was still fishing probably very similar to how I'd fish in the boat pool, like, um, uh, what was it? Would have been snake skin? Mm. With the one with the multi-strand in? Yeah, yeah. Um, stripping the hair? Um Inline lead, kind of, you know, nothing. No revolution. Nothing. No, not at all. I, 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 to be honest, I, it was. I've never been that into the rigs. I think it's all about the spot. Um, that year, Ian Russell had joined as well, so oh. we came quite pally with Ian. It's the start of a dynamic duo, mate. I might have given Ian. I thought you might have. Given quite a few people a phone call. Well, Ian. So Ian came, and we'd, we'd obviously started chatting. We'd, we started going up the five bells the odd time. I remember once I rung him and said, he come in at the five bells and he, he had his lad Lee with him. And he was like cooking Lee his dinner. So he was like, yeah, on my way. So he literally like super quick fried these like fish fingers or sausages or something. <laughs> Shoved them down. Lee went up the pub and then Lee was sick, sick. all night. Yeah, bless him. Oh. Dad, I've been sick in your shoes. <laughs> yeah, in his shoes, yeah. And then another time, <laughs> oh, this was probably around kind of when we started being friends really so he had caught a couple that year he'd caught um, a common called PB common he'd caught a, a real old a rare one and an old one called No Name it's in Malin's book hadn't been out f- I think four years at that point and um, he caught it at £34 or something I'd done some photos for him and I rung him up and this was when you know mobile phones didn't have people's names in them then did they no, so you yeah, could just yeah. ring him up so I rung him up and gone I don't know why I did I went alright mate how you doing he went alright mate I went, eh, I want to buy some bait. <laughs> you got any? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
And after about five minutes, just wind him up. He's like, I'm like, all right, mate, Scarf, I've got these photos for you. He's like, you northern, <laughs> you know, like, anyway. So I've taken him in. Two days later, he's out for a meal with his missus. Phone goes, hi, Ian. He's gone, why don't you grow up and fuck off, you northern twat. Right, and hung up. Oh, no. Yeah. So a couple of days later, he stood on the lake. And there was... Uh, at that time, there was two guys, Richard Cashfarnan. Yeah. And he's joined the lake with his other mate, Richard. And Richard was a builder. He was, like, ripped. He wasn't very tall, but he was ripped, you know. He used to walk around with a vest on, like, orange vest. So he got called Tango. And <laughs> nice. then Cash got Cash. Yeah. Tango's walking up the, the spit between the boat and the church. Like, Ian stood there with Starman. They're both skinheads, like, well, Ian's bald, isn't he? But... You know, Starman chose to be. Um, anyway, they're walking up, and sorry if you're listening, Tango, but Tango's got a really, all right, mate, voice quite yeah, squeaky. Yeah. He's walked up. Which one of you is Ian Russell? Oh, and he had rung no. Ian Russell, and Ian had just... Thought it was you yeah, giving it told him to go, go. yeah. So. Get, oh, my. How did that get resolved? <laughs> as soon as he spoke, Ian, he understood what had gone on. So he's like, sorry, sorry, I'm really sorry, sorry, mate. It's my mate, he's an idiot. Like, you know, so, yeah. But then we, that was when we kind of started being friends around that point, yeah. What a... Well, he's a top bloke anyway, Ian, mate. Yeah, he's I've, top man, yeah. known him for a number of years. Yeah. He's, he's salt of the earth, such yeah. a top geezer. I can only imagine the antics. He did say that you dragged him around every pub in the local That's, vicinity, mate. Well, I'd like to point out I didn't really know anyone at that point, and Ian lived there all his life. So who do you think did the dragging? I ain't getting involved in this sort of, <laughs> this sort of politics between the antics. Yeah, no, we, uh, and we had some great times. I didn't like say so I didn't know loads of people. I only knew... People on the lake, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, start going out of Ian and his missus. Uh, missus and, uh, yeah, we had, we had some really, really good times, you know. It was uh, it was brilliant. The influence your angling as well? As in, like, obviously. Yeah, massively. Yeah. He, Ian's without, que- don't tell him this, but Ian's without question the, the best angler I've ever fished with. Like, he's, good, he's just it? got it, you know. Um, he can catch him on, well, he, you know, catch him on, Runs water's ra- you know, better than most. He can ca- fish hard lakes better than most, you know. He can. Yeah. He's hyperactive, isn't he? He's like Peter Pan. Yeah, he's good, mate. Right? He's very yeah, good. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, well, he's tested time, isn't he? I mean, like... Yeah, he's been there. doing it forever. And yeah. if you actually speak to him and you actually realise how many waters he's fished... Ridiculous. ...and caught from, like, more than most, mm. it's off the scale. Oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, he was massive, yeah. Um, and again, I wasn't driving, so like he had helped me in terms of lifts and stuff like that. Um, and and then I had another year on Horton. You probably speak about it a sec, but after that, he got us a couple of tickets, you know, which yeah. went on to be nice. you know good things. Yeah, so yeah, he was he was massive influence. But again, still obviously a really good friend. We went out for curry. I don't know, three or four weeks ago. You might not again after this. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. He's yeah. a top lad. He didn't sell you down the river at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, your last year on Horton, talk to me about that. Obviously, the first, the, the sort of year that's gone before, yeah. you've had a couple. Yeah, second year. some stockfish. Yeah, second year. I didn't do anywhere near as much time for okay. some for some reason. But um, I came last out of the draw on the, at the start of the season, which was one of those things. I ended up, Picking this swim, there's some fishing right off the end of some boards, like close in. So I sat back, like happy days, and then this is one of the members come up, lovely chap, won't name him, with a big mallet. 
you know, and brilliant. Yeah, half hour of mallet in light, they'd gone. So I was on my toes a little bit. Next couple of days, I found a fish or a couple of fish in Church Bay again, the steps where I'd lost them. Um, my friend Craig um, was fishing the other side, and we'd seen this fish roll in the middle, like a big kind of, and we we knew, we thought we knew it was a fish called a peach because of the coloration of it and stuff. And next morning, he caught it. So I was on my toe, and I, I'd got everything on the barrow, and I think it was like 3rd of June or something. And I'd had a walk around, like didn't see anything. Got back to the lodge, made a cup of tea, sat on a veranda and I was looking across to some called scooter and I see a few fish. So I quickly put the tea down, gone round there and, and there was loads. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd never seen anything like it on there. Rod length, no, maybe not a rod length, but two or three rod lengths out. They were just booming out. They were rolling. I must have seen 200 shows like Jeez. over like... Oh, God knows how long it was, but you know, a couple of hours. So, obviously, I'm all nervous. I've got like got the rods out. What have you put out? To those I put fish? out bottom baits like straight away. Was it relatively clear then? I thought it was right, but with hindsight, that was probably an error, but it worked all right in the end. Right, about an hour and a half, I hadn't had a bite, and I, I should have had a bite. There's no doubt, I should and have they had were a bite. still, yeah, there. they were, yeah, and. By this point, two of the three other people are kind of gathered because, oh. you know, like, <laughs> I'm catching one, aren't I? He's in the dolly. Oh, yeah. it's going to happen. And um, anyway, after about an hour, I thought, should have had a bite here. Like, so I've skipped him in, like, and I changed to pop-ups and I flicked him back out and the fish started to tail away. And I just thought, you know, you've absolutely knackered this. And it got to a point where there wasn't really anything showing anymore at all. I remember lying down on my bed chair, just thinking, what have you done, you absolute tool? And um, and the right rod ripped off, just out of nowhere, and picked the rod up, just taking a load of line, and it just come in, like, relatively easy, pretty dogged. And luckily I didn't see it, and it just literally came up. Mate, uh, Kodak had just turned up, he grabbed the net, it literally come up, shoulders bumming the net. And that's that. Is that like, it? Yeah. No spectacular just, drawn no, out. Epic just out of just out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. Wow. So like, I'm blown away. Like my PB was I think I caught Fantail the year before, which was my second one, which was twenty seven pounds, like and I'm twenty one or twenty two and I caught bloody shoulders like That's ridiculous. Joke. Isn't it? Lucky. Totally lucky. What yeah. a fish though. That is a history fish, isn't it? Yeah, again it was it was one I'd grown up reading about, you know. Um Malin's books, you know, and you go back to Richard McDonald, yeah. like Yeah, so it was massive, yeah, and um, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't, <laughs> didn't know what to do. Um, Kodak and a couple of other guys like took over. You know, I was just blown away. Dale come round, bless him. <laughs> Funnily enough, the year before, I'd learnt quite a harsh lesson off Dale with shoulders as it goes. I was fishing a swim called Look Springgate's Point. <clears throat> he was in a swim next to me called Hearttail, and I, I've never. I was never great at getting out of bed in the morning. And I've rolled out of bed at like half seven, eight o'clock in the morning, sat there, had a cup of tea, give it the old token look. Right. <laughs> right, I'm off for a little walk around the lake. So I've found some fish just around the corner in, in Dog Bay and some called Dip. So I've walked back, um, said to Dale, I'm going to go move into the dip. He went, all right, mate, no worries. He just put his bucket in my swim. I went, were well, you coming in here? Yeah. He went, yeah, mate. They were showing out here this morning before you were up. What? But you, you, well, I can't say I'm staying in here yeah, now, no, can I? Like, actually, mate, I'll so, stay. So I packed up and um, I went into the dip. I, th- I think I did catch a stocky, but Dale caught shoulders the next morning. Oh. 
So it's a real harsh lesson. So, but anyway, I had caught shoulders. Dell came around, did me some um, amazing photos. Um, yeah, went back and yeah, special, special cop. So, like, you know, you're never going to, for me anyway, obviously there's, I'll, not, there's not many fish that I'll catch that's better than that, you know, so. That's like special. a, that's like a different level though, isn't it? In terms of, you've been on that complex, you've, you've gone from sort of completely green, if you like, Derbyshire yeah, totally, boy, yeah. through to, if you like, a nice, not concluding, because you've obviously got a little bit more time in there, but like a nice round off point where you've caught the A team that survived all the horror and stuff that's gone before. Yeah. That's pretty mega. Yeah, it was epic. Yeah. It don't always work like that, does it? Not at all, though. And, it, and you know, like, you're totally lucky in that situation, aren't you? What picks you up, babe? It could have been a £18 common. It could have been a £12 stocky. Like, it could have been anything, but it wasn't. It was shoulders and you just... How big were shoulders? Uh, 42.6. Yeah, that's a big old jump in yeah. the PBs, isn't it? Yeah. So, that was cool. And, um Yeah. What do you do? What do you do from there? Like so, Let's have a massive party. Don't yeah, we you? did. We definitely went up the bells. Um, <laughs> there was, yeah, there was a barmaid working in the bells at the time. Canadian girl. Canadian. Yeah, she was on like, um, like on. I don't know. She was working over over or whatever. So she had taken a bit of a shine to me, like at the time, but I wasn't really interested. To be fair, I was seeing seeing someone else. I think, and um, and but she used to come down and see us at the Lake. But she always used to come down. Like she, she, I remember coming down once. That's keen, mate, isn't it? Oh, man. I remember it, coming down once, I'd literally fallen out of a tree. In our and I had, like, just my shorts on. I'd, as I fallen out, I'd grabbed the trunk and slipped all the way down, and my chest was just, like, ripped to shreds. I'm just lying on the floor going, ah. She was like, are you all right? I'm like, no, leave me alone. And then other times she came down, and uh, I had had the mark float, and I cast a rod to the mark float, and you know, sometimes it's a bit tight and you just need to like separate them to real. So I've said to her, like, do you mind just holding that? Oh no. So she's taking the rod. She took a step. You give her the rod, not yeah. the, the marker float rod. No, not- I was going to reel it in. I just asked to hold my rod oh, while I reel them up. She took a step back, mate, and she just fell straight back first into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> mate, Brock, Frogger and Ian were on the other side and they just started roaring with laughter. Like Ian still reckons I pushed her in, but I honestly didn't. She just stepped, like took a put, put a foot like where she thought it was like, but it was reeds, and she just went back in. <laughs> she had this like nice little like dress on. She come up just like covered in silk and all that. <laughs> <laughs> never see it, never really see her a lot after that. That's no. a belter, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just hold that love. Yeah. Oh, done, oh, mate. Yeah. So we got we got up the bells. Um, we had a few, and then I I remember saying to Ian, I'm going to have a go for the peach. The peach used to live at like the lodge end, um, okay. Qu- quite a lot, you know. Most of the times, if it was caught, it was caught at that end, and it was probably it was probably the most targetable fish in there. Like so, um, I started fishing at that end pretty much exclusively. Not many trips, like two or three, and I had a week. And um, my mate Dave Yuppie Vigers was um, fishing the week. I didn't catch anything. But it did. It was the best, one of the best weeks fishing I've ever had. Dave was on fish on the plateau, and he was yeah. just he was just nicking them off there, right? And I also figured something out which would help me catch the, the peach. But all this time, I'd caught shoulders, and I'd been giving Dave. Bear in mind, Dave was a lot better anger than me. He'd been fishing a lot. He wasn't much older than me, you know. But he's probably four or five years older than me. But he'd been fishing like around those pits for a long time. He lived in Horton, you know, around that area of Longfield and all that. 
I'd been giving him some jet. He'd ring up, go, oh, mate, what's your biggest cop? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Hi, Dave, what's your biggest cop? Brilliant. All this. And he'd go, like, he'd be like, it's and I'd be like, don't worry, mate, it's always that parrot. And he was like, mate, if I hook that parrot, I'm going to shake that ugly thing off of the net. And I was like, mate, that's not a very nice thing to say about that fish. <laughs> Have some respect. Yeah. So anyway, look, next time, what's your biggest cop? Anyway, it went on for like a few weeks, right? And this week, like I say, Dave was picking them off, off the plateau. And it was brilliant. It was red hot. Mm. I wasn't really catching anything. There was no, no one was catching, but Dave... So I ended up just cooking his barbecues, going to the shops, you know, going, sorry, going to the lodge, getting his beers out for it, whatever. It was brilliant. And then this one, this one evening he's had this bite. It's like ramped off. Weeding him up out there. So I think uh, Peter Bond got the boat. We've all gone out in the boat, me, Pete and Dave. Pete's rowing. We get over the fish and it pops up. It's the parrot. And Dave <laughs> has just looked at me, calm as you like. Is this where I shake it off then, mate? Oh, it, oh you eck! <laughs> like, net straight under it, bosh! Like, and we, we had the parrot, like, and, uh, well, he had the parrot, and uh, it was mega. But unfortunately, he beat me by six ounces. <laughs> so, six ounces? So I got a load of, sh- load of shit after that. So you got the phone calls? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> I did, mate. yeah. Oh, mate. But then, um, I'd also, when it was hot, I'd seen a fish in the opposite side today in a corner called RIP. It was quite deep, Lake Horton. So when they're up on the top, um, at that point, no one really floated fish. Did we had a few goes with the grassies, um, but you just I don't know for whatever reason. Yeah, but I'd seen them in this corner, and there's a hump in the corner, and I kind of come up with this plan that I could try and bait this hump with maggot and caster um, to get the fish in. So this I'd gone, I'd got like two gallon of maggot, gallon of caster. Mm. Um, I'd put a little bit of I think I put like the caster on the spot. And Ian had, Ian had got to take his van in, I think, right, for a service. So he'd, he'd, his son, Lee, yeah. um, who I know really well, um, he dropped him off with me, right? So I'm with Lee, he's like, I don't know how old he was, 12, something like that. I've got the rods out and I've, these fish are like set out still, it's hot, they're set out. I've got a Gannacaster, I've got like a Medusary type rig on the spot and I'm spraying maggot at the spot, like, and Lee is doing everything, he's knocking my rods, did he? Did he? Oh, you know what I mean, oh, is that? A bit, can I have that bird's nest out of the tree? No, Lee, you can't have that bird's Classic nest out of the tree. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he? Can I have that bird's nest out of the tree? No, Lee, leave it where it is. Did he? Can I, anyway, it goes on. Tony Parker walks around as a bailiff, so I goes, mate. Tony's a bailiff. Ask him if you can have that bird's nest out of the tree. Tony, can I have that bird's nest out of the tree? Yeah, of course you can. Do you know what I mean? Oh, brilliant. Like, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> anyway, he's going on. I'm spraying maggots. I started seeing the odd fish just like coming towards him and just dropping, and all of a sudden. The rod's gone, did it? And I've like, looked round at Lee and goes, it's not me, it's not me. And um, it, it ramped off and it was, yeah, it was, it was the peach. Like, Jeez. Weeded me up. Um, Johnny Shoes yeah. got in the boat with me. Got a really good photo. I think Ian might have taken it of, of Shoesy netting the fish and the like, landing net is literally like, you know, bent, double like, <laughs> the surprise didn't snap. Surprised the boat didn't go over actually when you look at it because we were both on one side and um yeah, got got her out. Of it. So shoulders, maggots, and caster. Yeah, so that was, and that that was um, the peach was. So the shoulders was an old foxball yeah. fish. The peach was an old road lake fish. So, so you'd done it? Well, not much. I hadn't. I hadn't done it by any stretch. It was you know like I caught a couple, but couple got of, lucky with the ones that I yeah. caught. You know, I never caught the parrot or any of the other ones. I've always wanted to carve in, but 
yeah, happy with what. Two, mate, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was a special, special, special time that was, yeah. Is that rounded off, like the last capture on there? That was, yeah. I didn't, again, I didn't do a lot after that, um, for whatever reason. I think it had been quite an intense yeah. period, like, when I look back, with uni as well. Um, did go over with my friend Nigel, caught Mary that year as well, 99, so. Nigel did? Not Nigel Sharp, another oh. friend of mine, Nigel. So, so you went and saw Mary, did you? Yeah, we went and photographed it for no, him. in the flesh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. we got, got the call, so that was pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. That would be unbelievable, mate. Yeah, it, it was the biggest car in the country at that point. But like just the venue and everything, mate. Oh, what, yeah. a, what a place, yeah. And he'd, yeah, 50, I think she was 53, 15, or he was, yeah. Oh, my So that days. was a really cool year, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then, ridiculous. Yeah. Catching shoulders, catching yeah. the peach, seeing Mary. Yeah. Mad. Yeah, it was a good mate. It was a special year, yeah. Yeah, that's special proper, year. isn't it? Where'd yeah. you go fishing-wise from that point? Well, I still didn't drive. How did you still not drive? Because I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never needed to drive until this kind of point, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd have helped me, no doubt. But um, at uni, you know, I was yeah, bussing. Yeah. And when I, I lived, even when I was I was obviously going to haunt, I'd get a cab, and I mean, it was like five quid each way or something at the time. But it was all tubes and stuff like that, buses and stuff. I never did. So I kind of dropped my haunt ticket the like March 2000, not really with a plan. Um, Ian Russell got me a Foxpool ticket, I think, at this point. Oh, wow. Which was, was always quite nice because I read about Foxpool. Yeah. And obviously I'd read about the fish that were in Horton. So it was quite it was quite a nice way to marry the two together, if you know what I mean. So um, I had a few trips over there with Ian. Um, caught a couple just so he'd give us a lift over and that. But then in, I think, 2003, like I say, I didn't fish a lot, bit, bit of social fishing and stuff, really. Yeah. Going out with me and whatever. I think 2003, Ian got me a Summerlease ticket. Right. Um, probably because I didn't drive. Yeah. When you, look, when you look back. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry if that's not true, Ian. But, <laughs> but that kind of gave me the kick up the arse that I needed. So like 2003, I kind of got me, got me act together and passed my driving test. Um, my dad bought me a little, um, a little Peugeot two hundred five. Oh yeah, yeah, little red thing. It wasn't like a flash one. It was like a disco or something. <laughs> I mean, oh, like, okay, yeah, That'll it do. wasn't. And uh, the, uh, the first place, I, literally, I remember my dad dropping the car. First place I drove was um, Foxball. Like I say, I'd bought I'd bought the car to go and fish Summerlees. Really, or sorry, passed my test to go and fish Summerlees, but I just drove to Foxpool. Don't know why. I'd look around. It's a lovely little lake, Foxpool. It's like only two or three acres. Yeah, it's intimate, isn't it? Really intimate. Really high mature, trees. Yeah, mature. Yeah. Um, loads of features. What's the stock at this time? So at this point, um, obviously they're taking all of them out of for Horton. Yeah. And a guy called Alan Stone run it as a syndicate leased off Leisure Sport, or right. or it might have been Semex or whatever it had changed to or RMC. I can't remember. Um, and we'd, they'd put some fish in, I think they were some of the, some from Broadwater and Godalming, which didn't have the best, best mouths, to be fair. Mm. And then there were some other fish, which were, I think, castle carp. Okay. So, I don't know, meant to be bred my descendants, but who knows. So I went and had a look there, and then I went and did a night in Summerlees, 
in summer leagues that year was really low, pea green, horrible algae. Nice. Rubbish. So I thought, I just, it was horrible. So, and again, I'd done a couple of nights on summer leagues with Ian and I needed a bit more kit. <laughs> I remember going up there, no outboard, it's all boat work. Yeah. Rowing around in circles, you know, so I needed a bit more kit. So I decided to get, do the summer on Fox and then I'd go up to summer leagues the following year and just had an amazing, like a really enjoyable summer on Foxpool, just catching fish. Baiting areas with maggots around the edge. All maggots again. Yeah, like just a bit of maggots in naturals, don't you? If you, yeah, if I could. No, no silverfish, massive silverfish population. No breeds. There wasn't. Yet. No, the, 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 what happened? So to start with, I'd go around with like I don't know gallon or whatever bait three yeah. or four, four spots, and normally around the time I got around the lake, one of the spots had fish on, and you'd catch them. As as it went on, the perch mm. rose up to it, and by the time kind of late autumn come, you get round and there'd be swarms of perch on them, which would be hazard, like, nuisance. I remember lowering a rigging when a carp moved off and fell, looking a perch in the belly and carp come back and, you know. Yeah. But I caught, caught quite a few fish, you know, that year, uh, two or three thirties. Maggots on the hook? Or yeah. Yeah? Yeah, little little balls of maggots, yeah. Um, and then went, went into the winter. Um, Ian and I decided to do the winter on there. Which was tough going, really. Mm. Um, it was cold. We struggled, really. I don't think Ian had one, to be fair. I caught one on the 23rd of December, which was, yeah, which was like a new late record then, at, after obviously with the, the long field fish gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, 35-2 or something. That's the result, mate. Oh, it was mega. But it was cold that winter. Like, Again on maggot? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, on a yeah little size 10 hook. Um, it was a bit hairy. It kind of went into these snags. Towards in into the corner to my left, and he was going to do me like <clears throat> I was fishing like I think a ten pound fluor oak length, oh. little size ten, and it is going and that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it had gone, it had gone in snags. Like um, I just opened a bail arm. It was random. Like you opened the, bail I just opened arm. the bail arm, and he went, "What are you doing?" I said, "I don't know, but I'm just going to lose it." So I've just opened the bail arm, thinking, and the swim, the fish just swam back out into open water. I just thought, what is kicking? Yeah, for? what an idiot! He's that much. He's an, never done that. He, yeah, no, he's that much of an idiot. I'm going to like <laughs> feel sorry for him. And he just swam back into open water, and I, I landed it. Yeah, and um, yeah, thirty five two. Jeez, what do they say? There's a fine line between genius and madman, no, stupid mate. that. But <laughs> saying that, Ian said he's done it a couple of times since. Like, you know, so I'm going to try know. it. Next. I'm not actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that that year, um, Sharpie and Tell were on the road lake as well. So it was quite funny because me and Ian were on there. They were on there and you wouldn't like to talk to each You know, you, you didn't want to tell each other what you're going on. Yeah. But then I think one day Ian tipped up and walked straight in as Sharpie was having Clover photograph for him. Oh, jeez. So, nah, I think it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't argue, can yeah. you, mate? Nah. Some <laughs> Little Peugeot died one morning and I had to get Nigel and Terry to give me a jump start. Terry, You've got a jump start from Terry. He was, and... he was disgusted. Was he? Yeah. Like, why have you got just... such a shit car? Is that what he said to you? <laughs> said that to Nigel, yeah. Why has he got such a shit car? No yeah. way. It's a great car. 400, 400 quid to a five. I don't think you know the definition of the word. <laughs> no, nah, he was driving a BMW, a car or whatever it was at that point. Though, Jeez, he? so, he's made it, hasn't he? Yeah. By that point. Yeah. You'd had a Peugeot back in the I'd day, Yeah. 
course he would have. 400 quid to a five, mate. What do you want? You can get Mary in the back, drive it down <laughs> for some different scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's mad. Yeah. But in terms of Foxpool, you said maggots, you said um, rig-wise, pretty simple. Yeah. All your fish on that, all throughout the year? Uh, I had a spell fishing pop-ups, actually, in, uh, into... So Foxpool, like I say, it's intimate. You've got, like, three corners, really, which I don't know now. Um, mm. My friend, Funnily enough, my friend Tony Parker and Dave Argus are bailiffs down there now, but then it was, three corners were kind of key to the lake, so you had goose which was really snaggy and the fish had been there a lot. Yeah. You had concrete corner and you had common corner. And those three areas were vital. And I remember I was fishing in concrete corner over to the tree in the corner. And there was a, there was a group of about six fish under there that were kind of living there. And you could recognise them, you know. And through the course of a week, I was fishing Ian Russell's Indian Spice when he had Heathrow baits. Bait that was, yeah. yeah. mega, wasn't it? Little uh, pink ones on. Th- I think it was around the time 360 rig had come out. Right, yeah. So we were using 360s. And, uh, yeah, just picked them off one after another, like, every, yeah. every day, you know, doing single then, so you're doing overnighters. Um, and there was one less fish every day. And uh, I caught them all apart. From, well, I lost one, which was probably the other one, you know. So Yeah. Yeah. That's good work yeah. in there, isn't it, mate? What, just single up bait, or did you put a bit I put, of bait I was putting a bit of bait in. Yeah. yeah. Put a bit of bait in, yeah. They're just in those snags. Yeah. But it was game. That was the last year I had a film camera, and mate, it was horrendous, wasn't it? When you look back, I know that with a good slide shot or a, you know they're amazing, aren't they? But the nightmares we had with so cameras. many crap shots. Crap. You think oh, I've got this? I'm sorted. Mate, Develop that, it. Crap, mate. That week I had them fish out of that concrete corner. Like, honestly, I remember taking like three films up to get developed. Hey, it's good. No More head, no fuck, no, yeah. no tail, no nothing. You know, out of focus. It was savage. Yeah, I've got some. Honestly, I remember fishing the canal, catching a massive roach. You know, back in the day, I'm young. Yeah. I've bought a disposable camera, right? Bought one from the local pub. God knows how bad that was, but this is old school. Took some pictures. for yes, thankfully I've got it. Every single one, dog turd. <laughs> Might as well not have bothered. No. Do you know what well, I mean? That, I had one fish that week called the Wintermere. It's a pretty rare one. It never used to get caught a lot. It was a lovely carp. It's like, I don't know, mid-20, but it had like big moon scales on it. Oh. Beautiful. And then um, got the photographs back, man. All out of focus, like <laughs> terrible. And that was on like the Tuesday, I think, I caught that. And on I'd had them developed crap. On the Sunday, I stalked some fish out of Common Corner and I got by it and I caught, um, caught it again. Huh? Winter mirror. Happy days, right? Just as I netted it, a guy called Dan walked around the corner. I thought, lovely, beautiful sunny day. Happy days. Get some nice shots. He did them. I got them developed and it was like I was holding a bar of charcoal, mate. Honestly, no, he was just... Oh, flopped it twice. Give it, yeah, give up, didn't you? <laughs> give up. And then on to some of these, mate. Some of these are different prospect in terms of, in terms of venue compared to, uh, yeah. to Foxpool. Yeah, um, Foxpool was... It was you know, it was lovely that year. It was I, I went there I think as well because going back to what I said about Ian Welsh, we'd had the private syndicate on there, mm. and we'd always asked him, "Are we all right for the following year?" And that year, for whatever reason, they'd taken it back off us, um, and it went back into the whatever it was RMC Semex fold at the time. We were a little bit mm. so kind of fell out of it at the time, but. You know, you look back, he was really good to me, you know, so you, you certainly time's gone on you. So that's probably why I fixed Foxball. 
was really quiet that year. Um, I think a lot of the members that had been members had fished it um, before and, and they'd joined the new syndicate and didn't fish it. It was really quiet. But then going on summer leaves, it was still quiet, but it was massive compared to it. Yeah. You What's know? the acreage? What are you saying? They always said like 68 or 70, but I, I honestly don't think it was that big. It was maybe 50, right. 55 acres. Deep? Big. No, not really. No, okay. relatively shallow, most of it. Um, say, you know, five, six, seven foots, that kind of thing. Big open gravel pit. There wasn't a lot of trees around a lot of it because the sailing club used to keep them in check. A couple of islands, um, quite a sandy, sandy pit, really. Like, and different prospect, like you say, you're using boats. Mm. Um, you could, uh, you could drop your rigs. You could, you were fishing for a pretty relative, you know, pretty low stock of carp. I think there was maybe 40 in the, there at that point. There was, although there was probably only 15, 13, maybe originals that you wanted to catch. It had a stock in which shouldn't have probably happened and it killed a few of the originals before I got my ticket. Did it? But, um, but yeah, so it was a lot different. Yeah. Again, it was another steep learning curve. I'd never used a boat before. Um, and you look at boat work and think, oh, it's, it's hard boat work. It's rock hard. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're getting anywhere near proficient at it, it takes a lot of practice, especially yeah. in winds and stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, gone on there. And I'd, you know what lakes are like? Lakes are cool, aren't they? But they're often made by the people, aren't they? Yeah, of course. You know, Horton was made by the people when I was there. Some great people. Um Foxball was quiet, but it was a couple of guys fishing it. And some of these was the same. You had, obviously, Ian. Um, you had my big mate, Irish Mick. Toughest man you'll ever meet in your life. Rock hard. Mate, granite. What do you mean? Just, just generally handy? Just a mountain of a man. Just, you wouldn't mess. But lovely guy. Even if the Wallet Brothers came round, you'd no, you send wouldn't, him you on wouldn't, him. No, you wouldn't. No, he's absolute granite. Um, <clears throat> you had hard. another guy, Bomber. So uh, he was an Irish, Northern Irish fella. He's, he was from Norman Island. He used to come over on God, trips. Bomber. I didn't. Yeah. So it, was pr- it was probably Ian, wasn't it? That's dark, isn't it? Um, <laughs> he was, um, so yeah, it was him. It was my mate, Matty Grover, like, loveliest guy. Like, and, and again, just a really special time with nice people, you know? Mm. Um, so I started in there early April. Um, I say we'd done the winter on Fox. Lost one of my first trips, just stocky right at the net. That's a result on there. They just to get lost a bite. it, mate. I'd but lost it. it. <laughs> you love a loss, but it's good to get a bite, mate. On there, How, did you find him in an area? Or was it just no? It spots? was just the first. This, this at that point, it was just a first trip tip up. Um, but I'd obviously spoken to Ian quite a bit about it. I've spoken to another guy, Kenny Gates, a lovely guy. I spoke to Ken for ages with um, a disagreement a few years ago, but he was a lovely guy. Helped me a lot, um, and I kind of come up with a plan that. When it got warm, I knew that the fish were probably going to gather at one end of the lake for spawning. So I started mm. baiting that end. Oh, there was another guy, Les, the fossil as well. He was The oh, fossil? Yeah. So I started baiting Les's point. And um, he, Les, God rest him, he's, he's, he died a couple of years ago. But he was a really nice guy. Suffered always terribly with arthritis, like really oh, bad. Retort, yeah. <coughs> so after a little bit, I started baiting. I started baiting Les's point because I thought it was an area that they'd come down at this end. Obviously, after a little bit, I erected a sign, you know, gas point. And uh, Les was furious. Like, I remember him, bless him, half right, he's jumping up, trying to whack it down with the oar, like, you know. 
Um, you, yeah. I, well, I started baiting. I started baiting now, and I'd I was doing um, overnighters. I'd started working for Gardner at this point. Yeah. And um, how did that come to be? Came Cash Varnon, who yeah. I'd met on Horton. I think he said to Ian or something like, "We're looking for someone to go on a road." And I think Ian had put my name forward, and that, it was simple as that. Really, I got an interview, and then Ian got, Russell is at fault, is what you said. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, it sales? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Originally, they were kind of quite old school, so it was a bit delivery, bit of sales. But okay. we kind of turned it into more of a sales. It's you know, it wasn't financially worth often dropping off a small order if you had to travel two hundred miles to do it. You know, so. But you enjoyed that aspect of. Yeah, it was good. But it made being on the road was was fantastic you know you the shops are amazing most of the shops yeah not all but 80 percent of the shops you dealt with were brilliant and a lot of them are still friends you know to this day what were you good shops go on tell me about them mate there's loads oh christ where do you, but ringwood tackle springs to mind if i think about this conversation with like gas fair and that when we because occasionally bump into him in there you could put cameras in in that shop and do a reality program Really? Easily. Easily. What? What? In what, in what They're just Relentless. There's Rich, who owns a shot, Richie, and Ash, who works with him, right? And they are relentless. They will not leave. Right, if you, if you, take, if you take your bucket in to get, like, <laughs> leave it, you get cocked, don't you? I've seen that. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah, yeah. I've had cocks drawn on samples, <laughs> right? I've had... I remember once Spooner come out of me, like, when I was at Corder. That was probably a bit down the line, but... Um, and uh, we've gone to the next shop and I've opened my bag and he's like nodded at my bag. And I'm like, what? And it's like a canvas, like laptop bag. And I've looked and it's like, well, it was basically putting into doubt my sexuality. Was it? Yeah. Um, so that had to go in a bin. Um, but they're not just any sort of cock drawings, are they? Oh, they these are these are like oh these are these are detail and details. Yeah. You used to send me orders over, right? So you handwrite these orders. And you used to have to send them to the, like, people in the cat, or, you know, to put the orders on or whatever. And I remember, like, one, it was the octopus. <laughs> so it's like, do you know what I mean? It was like, That's it was quality. just like a, like a octopus of cocks. Um, <laughs> I, another cool. day, um, <laughs> another day, I remember get Rich is quite small, like, you who owns the shop he's quite short and he, he's built himself you call him small air after the cocktail <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's, he stands on I don't know if he built himself but like the bit behind the cat is a little bit raised so I <laughs> give it like I've walked in mate set me up here he is smallest man in fishing I'm like shut up Rich I'm way taller than you he's like no you're not yeah I am no you're right settle it then okay right, so he's come round He stood against the wall Ash has marked his height on the uh, on the wall <laughs> Right, your turn. I've gone up. Ash has marked my height on the wall with a permanent marker and then run it all down my face, scribble all over my face. <laughs> you know, he just like time and time again. Mate, I saw it. I saw Terry Lampard one day, bless him. Oh, it's terrible, this. So, same thing. Terry was quite short. Gets into an argument with Rich about height. So, Rich lies on the floor, marks his height on the floor. Terry Lampard lies on the floor. Richie drops his pants and trousers and sits on his face. That's bad, isn't it? Really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, mate, I saw him do that again. So when I, when I was at Corda again, um, early days, you used to have to like, get in the car and ring your orders through. So mm. imagine I've gone into Ringwood, I've got the order, I'm ringing it through. I can't. Or I've seen this couple go into the shop and then they've come out and Richie's carrying a bed chair. 
I can't hear anything. Like, so I'm on the phone. Richie's put the bed chair out and he's like gestured to the matey to lie in the bed chair. So, mate, he's laying on the bed chair. As he's laid down, Richie's just walked around the front and just dropped his pants and trousers <laughs> and his pants in front of his missus. His missus, all, all I can see is his missus going, ah! Like, Oh, to a punter. Yeah. yeah, he obviously knew him. Like Jeez. he was uh, as much as he sound like they, Richard, Rich and Ash know. Yeah, where the line is. Where the line is. If like someone they don't know comes in, they're the politest people you've ever met in your life, <laughs> and they've got this like they've got this beautiful community. Yeah, of ang- it's just a mate. It's the yeah, it's an incredible shop, and they have ongoing wars with Mark Simmons, which are pretty legendary. He just goes on and on and on. You know, I was in, I was in there one day. <laughs> Something had happened. I can't remember what it was. I think Ash had put a trout under Simo's <laughs> chair in his van or something and it had gone putrid. And then oh. I think Simo put some rats through the letterbox or something. <laughs> and this, honestly, and then this one day um, I'd gone in there and someone dropped an envelope in there for Simo. Like, right. it was like, oh, some, some, Rich, you couldn't give this cash to Simo, could you? Like, Rich was like, yeah, of course I can, mate, yeah. As soon as mate has gone, he's opened the envelope, 500 quid, he's just cut all the notes up in half and just like jumbled them all up and zeroes had to like sellotape them all together. Oh my It still, days. it still goes on like, the, if you follow Ringwood Tackle on Instagram, you'll see I'm some I'm going to get on it, mate. It sounds absolutely oh, only efficient. Incredible. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. Oh, there's loads, loads with Simo, like go on forever. Brilliant. Yeah, so they're, yeah, obviously they're a good shop. You've got loads of good shops, Harefield, Johnson Ross, yeah. you know, all, all, you know, even people, you know, Finchy, yeah. Paul, like, there's loads of them, mate. The shops are... But that whole on-the-road, that environment, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's fishing, isn't it? Yeah. You'd probably have that in any of your industry, would you? No, not at all, no. <laughs> but I'd obviously started at Gardeners at that point, so I was, you were a little bit freer when you're on the road to kind of guide your routes about yeah. where you want to end up, basically. So I was able to... I was at the lake... I think from the 1st of April, every day, pretty much. Yeah. Baiting, not fishing always, but baiting, looking, going out in a boat. And I'd been putting loads of bait on this area. And I'd had a couple, but it was it was a bit earlier, I think, with hindsight. A couple of stockies? or Yeah, a couple of stockies, yeah. What sort of area are you talking about? So it was at, um, well, what would it be like the southerly end of the lake, um, Close to, like, in between, basically, where I was fishing, there was an island. But the bay, there was a bay to my left called No Cart Bay, but the fish often gather there before spawning. Mm. So I was kind of really waiting for that period. But I started getting your feet, so I started fishing around the lake a bit. Still baiting this area heavily, like, you know. Um, and we had some amazing sights. So I remember one day, me and Ian gone out in the boat, we gone up to the top end, um... And the clay, the water was just like murky, like, and we we just gone, we drifted on the boat, and they're all there, and they're just churning it. Like I think Ian's spoken about this, but they were, they were everywhere, all around the boat, you know, sheeting up, and we just stood there on the boat in the boat, just watching them. And um, I think Ian said we didn't fish, but we did. I got I got a photo of us fishing. We went back, we got a kit, we went back up. And the fish just melted off. But the next morning we went out and it, it, mate, it was like cows had just walked all over the spot. It was just like these holes in the, in well, the bottom. They just gorged it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'd fish. It was about, I was about five or six weeks in. I think I'd had three or something stockfish. And uh, I packed up one Sunday. 
and I boated back around the lake having a look and I got into Nocart Bay where I said they gather and they were there. They were all there. And I, I was just like, well, when I was in the boat, just watching them. Um, probably at this point as well, the previous capture of the fully was Martin Clark, which was four years yeah. before, I think. No one really could tell me 100% it was still there. So I really wanted to clock it myself. It hadn't, like Ian hadn't been fishing it because he'd, he'd caught, you know, a lot of them. Anyway, there she is, like in all the glory, like wow. just swimming around the boat. And oh, I was that mesmerised with her. I mean, I remember seeing some of the other fish, um, <clears throat> but there was another fish about the same size as it. And the the other fish Martin Clark caught when he caught the fully was a fish they used to call the Big 40. And one of the members have said he'd found it dead. Mm. And I didn't take a lot of notice of this other fish of hindsight. It was a bit of a mistake because the fully was there. I was so excited. That was all, all I wanted. So I'd been baiting this spot heavily. I'd done loads of loads of effort. With I put hundreds of kilos of bait on this spot, mainly particle, pellet, um, a lot of maples. And um, I had this following week. So I've done a couple of overnighters in the week. I couldn't fish the Monday because I was playing football or couldn't get there on the Monday. <clears throat> I mean, mate, Dave's a good mate now. I didn't really know him that well at the time. He's rung me up and gone, mate, you're not going to believe it. I'm like, why? He goes, oh, the fully scales just spit milk bay out, just down it in the edge. And I was just like, no, no. So I've rung in and he's gone there. Don't worry, mate. Just stick to what you're doing. Mate, will come good. So anyway, gone on the Tuesday. Gets down there doing overnight. Um, no cars there. Happy day, so parked my car, walked down. But Dave lived pretty close to the lake. And Dave's walked down. And um, he's gone, mate, shh, quiet, quiet, quiet. I'm like, what? He's gone, I've gone feeding again. And straight away, like, you think, oh, mate, he's a chatty yeah. anyway. I said, what have you seen? And he, he hadn't seen the fully. Anyway, so we we gets up the tree, like, and we're watching these fish. <clears throat> it's similar to, um, to when I caught shoulders. He had bottom bait on. And uh, we were watching him. He should have had a bite. He was like, I'm going to change it, put pop-up on. So he's got back down the tree and he's like, let me know when it, when when uh, it's free. So I've gone, yeah, all right, do it now, do it now. I skipped it in, changed his rig. He's gone, right, let me know again. So I'm watching him, waiting, waiting. The fish have moved out. He's dropped it in. Sweet, that's good. Gets up the tree and we're watching these two fish. We don't know what they were at this point. But all of a sudden one fish comes in it shakes its head and it comes up in the water, like almost looking at us as it comes up out of the water, shaking its head and it's gone like it's off. He's had a bite and we've, he's got down the water and we've played this fish and it was one of the old originals called Springates, mega, mega carp. Still, I think I spoke to Dave funnily enough yesterday and I think it's still one of his favourite captures, like beautiful. He's caught loads of carp since, but it was a mega old carp. Um, didn't go back very well. We were in, we were in the water for it for ages, but it went back. And uh, yes, yeah, so that was that was mega. What but was that? How big? Thirty-two, I think, something like that. Yeah. But it was it was no one. It hadn't been caught much. I think two or three times, maybe if that. Wow. Springgate, Pete Springgate. So Pete had caught. Yeah, yeah. It. Obviously, hence yeah. the name. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty mega. Yeah, sort of captor. Yeah, and he it was Pete wasn't on there. I met I'd met Pete quite a bit on Horton, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, he wasn't on there like that point but yeah it still had its name like everything it's always got everywhere fished he's got something named after him and he quite has. quite rightly so point. yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah which one yeah exactly, there's a couple of spring gates exactly. yeah. yeah so yeah so that and then that was i did the thursday and then i i decided to book the following week off 
Um, I mean, he's quite short, but I'd done loads of effort at this through this period, baiting, looking, all to get in this zone pre-spawning. Yeah, but oh, even oh. round, I was, I was, I did, I wanted to see the fish as well. Yeah. So in the back of my diary, um, every original I saw, I just wrote it down a date, like. Because you know it's like sometimes you see something in the war and then la- later on you doubt yourself, don't you? Like, did I see it? So every time I saw something in concrete, I just write it down, just so just for my own way of like, yeah, clarifying things. You know, you go back, you go back to things like I said about the big cat. You doubt it, don't you? I remember yeah. when I was on Horton, Dell and Harry Haskell had walked across the bridge on Kingsmead and seen the big common. You know, in Kingsmead, like, mm. whacker. And I'd gone the next day and I saw it as well. And it was massive. But I wish I had a camera, you know, because you doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what I was doing. I was doubting, uh, writing down what I did. Um, but I, so obviously these fish, were they were there and it was warm. So I'd booked the full following week off work. <clears throat> Got there on the Friday night. And I had, I think, it was May Bank holiday, so I think I had... To look, like a week on Monday, I had something like 12 days or something. It's just stupid. Nice. Yeah, like, I've never done anything like that. Got there on Saturday, uh, Friday. Uh, I think on the, nothing happened. I was catching loads of tench, but no carp. And then the Sunday night, Ian was sat on me and I had a bite on my left hand rod. Caught this stockfish, I think. Never seen it since, so I don't know what happened to it. And um, I always remember, I hooked it and went, get a boat. And Ian was like, you don't need the boat. And it just like absolutely flat rotted me, like. And he was like, "Get a boat, get a boat!" He's like, "He's going." <laughs> so we got in a boat, and then because um, so Ian started doing overnighters because it was clearly something was happening. So he was going to work at Heathrow, rolling his bait, coming back um, Monday. I think he had a little one, like a again a, a small one, and then he'd gone to work Tuesday morning. <clears throat> I'm sat with Bomber now. Bomber had come over for this week as well, like. Um, from Ireland and Bomber was a proper character like just funny as you like you know he'd be he'd brought this like Irish moonshine over Poochie God. or whatever God. you know he'd be drinking that and he'd be there was a cricket club on the back he used to play disco music late like and he'd just be out in the front of the swim singing Delilah at the top of his voice you know <clears throat> and then that week I've gone to him but Bomber look that's, a, that's like that's rare that's like a lesser spotted woodpecker or something that's not fucking rare I've seen three this week. Like, it's the same one bomber. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he was a proper character. Anyway, the night before, he was sat with me and I was tying this rig up. It was just like a combi rig. And I, I, I just used to put them in the back of my hand and pull them back, like left and right. And or to see if the point. See if it would flip. You know, Do you have any, like, a line, line, a line, a job? Yeah, a little like line, line, on. I think Damo would... Because when I was at Gardner, we used to, funnily, weirdly, at that point, we were distributing Corder. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I used to go over to Corder every Wednesday or second Wednesday and get loads of kit and take it back to Gardner. And Damo had given me, I don't know if they were out or whether they were pre-productions or whatever, some wire gapes. So it was like a wire gape. And I sat there running over the back of my hand trying to get it to flip left and right. And it would only go one way or something. So anyway, Bomber goes... You can't cast that out. I was like, why? It's, it's all right. It's amazing. It's a left-handed rig. I'm like, what? <laughs> left-handed it's a left-handed rig. rig. You can't cast a rig out when it's left-handed. It has to be both. So, mate, so... I, 
What? It did me, right? So I ended up like cutting this rig off. What? Like, you retied the rig? I retied the rig. <laughs> oh no, absolute muppet. So anyway, got both ways. Ca- I was casting, I had a little marker out there, I was casting. And uh, the next morning I'm sat with Bomber having a cup of tea and the spot is fizzing. Light is sheeting. There's loads of tufties on there as well. And then all of a sudden the tufties just dip one, gone. And then I see a fish roll, which was uh, like the fully. It had to be. You saw a scale, you know, scales clear as day. It's like she just rolled over in slow motion. And now I'm pacing. Yeah. You know, like up and down. I think I said to Bomber, oh, I've got some really nice pop-ups. Ian's made me in the car. I'll show him you. Do you know what I mean? With that, the rod's gone off. Like, so pick the rod up. We've got in the boat straight away because there was quite a bit of weed out there. We get out there, it's come out of the weed and she just pops up right next to the boat. You know what she is. So now you've got 20 minutes of like playing her on a relatively short line in a boat with her like powering like through the weeds. You see all the scales lifting off the side. You know, she's turning the whites like bombers on the boat, like trying to, you know, keep us in touch. Um, And you're just petrified, aren't you? Like yeah. Tony and like shoulders where it just popped up, went in there. Happy days, job done. She's gone mental. Mate, she's there and I'm just watching her for like 20 minutes she, as she scrapped. Eventually, we kind of got her to net and <laughs> Bomber's like on the oar. He's trying to keep the boat straight and he's got the net. And you know, it's like when you push the net in, yeah, the boat goes, goes away, back. Yeah. So he's trying to like, or he's trying to like row the boat, him. like to pull us up to it. The fully's like half over the net cord. And I'm going, get her in, Bomber, get her. He's going, I'm trying, I'm trying. Like, and eventually he's like flicked her in. She's gone in, like, you know. And um, yeah, we just like a massive hug. Like, uh, it was only us on the lake. We've got her back. We sacked her up, rung Ian. Ian was like, right, I'm sacking off work this week. <laughs> That's what he did. Legend. He did. So he came. See you later, work. Yeah. Simon Healy used to own Atomic. Yeah. Um, he came down because he was in the unit next to Ian. Make Matty Grover come, and um, yeah, we yeah we did the photos and what a fish? Yeah, it was mega. Yeah, that is a special fish, though, isn't it? Fully full stop. That'd like. be, always been my best carp. There's no doubt. Will I, it? Yeah, I don't think I'll ever beat that. I've caught. Mm. I've been lucky. I've caught some, you know, amazing fish since not millions, but you know enough that satisfy me. But I that think. ain't you, though, is it? We talked about this off camera as well. You don't. You're not, despite life, kids, misses, balance, work, everything, you ain't going to go and do an overnight or somewhere where you're going to get six bites. No, I'm not, no. You're not? I don't I don't want to. Um, <laughs> no, honest, thanks. No, I'd rather fish somewhere that's a, I'm not going to get many bites, but when I get a bite, it, it means something to me. Like, And I'm like, you know, I'm really excited to get the bite. and And to have to go... And put the fish as much, through the rigmarole of photographing. Yeah. So I don't like photographing fish. Like I don't know why. I just I always feel really. You don't like photographing it. them. Not when I'm having when I'm holding them. You mean like, like responsibility wise? Yeah, I always feel a bit. I just want. Yeah, don't particularly. I don't like it really. Um, just want to get back as quick as I can. So, mm. But okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's me. So I'd rather that kind of that kind of fishing. Just a big fully every time you go out. Wow, special one. But you know the mad right the mad thing with that. So Ian sacked off work for the week. Um, and the other guys, so Matty come down, I think Mick, big Irish Mick come down and fished. Bomber was there and it was going off. Like, and they all kind of, we they all kind of came down this end. Probably with hindsight, I got cut off a bit, but uh, it didn't bother me. Um, when I caught, when I caught shoulders three days later, Ian caught it. 
right, randomly. Four days after I caught the fully. No. Yeah, bear in mind I haven't been caught four years. Um, Ian's got a bite. I'm still, I'm, I'm still there. He's got this bite. Um, he's caught for the boat, so I've gone round. <clears throat> we've got the boat. We've kicked off from the boat. We've gone out. He's playing this fish. It's rolled. He's gone, oh, scaly, scaly, which was another fish that Martin Clark had caught but hadn't been out since, like, four years. I'm going, mate, it's, it's not, it's not, it's a fully scaled. He's going, it's not, it's scaly. I'm going, mate, it's, it's the fully. He's going, it's not. I was just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's kind of, it's come up. It's about ready for netting. He's gone, get the net. Like, look round. There's no net. No net. I was like, what? There's no net. So I've looked back, and as we've kicked off, like, the net is caught on, like, a tree or a bush. In the swim, uh, I could just see it hanging in the thing. So I'm like, it, it mate, got a bit of a problem. Come what? Cool. Obviously, he's stressing and he, like, he knows what it is now. He knows it's a fully, but he also knows how big it is. He caught it before, but it was a fair bit bigger now. So we've got no net. He was like, what? He said, oh. get in, get in the lake, get grab in. it. I'm like, Ian, mate, I'm not getting in and grabbing it. He was like, because we had a mat in the boat, you know, and like, use the mat, we'll scoop it up in the mat. Oh, the old arm lock. Yeah, right. I'm like, Headlock. mate, I'm not doing that. So whistled over to Big Irish Mick, like, we need a net, we need a wet. So he's coming over and him's like, I wish you'd hurry up. I'm going, mate, he can only go as outboard, as fast as outboard can go. Yeah. About halfway to, I'm going, I wish you'd hurry up. <laughs> so Fully's just there anyway. Was he just on top? Yeah, he was doing oh, a bit, but no. yeah. In the end, Mickey got out with the net and we netted it. And there's a photograph somewhere of us all, like with Ian with his arms in the air and in the net. Imagine if that had got off, mate. Slip the yoke. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> but that week, like, Mickey caught a couple. Bomber had spring gates again. Wow. Um, that was its last ever capture as it goes. And then Mickey had a couple that week. All, all, I say a couple. These were origin, the original. All in that area again, like you said. Yeah, down that end of the lake. Yeah. It just went off. And, uh, yeah. And, then and job it, done. So, like, six, seven weeks of I'd, I'd I finished, yeah. But going back to when I first saw them, it was probably a mistake. Um, I saw that other fish, which was the same size. A couple of years later, like I say, we still assumed the big 40 was dead. A couple of years later, Ian rung me up and went, mate, I've just seen the big 40. I mean, he caught it, so he knew what he was looking at. I've just seen the big 40 100% swim past my feet. Like, So, you know, with hindsight... Mm. Hindsight's wonderful. But I went there for the full hill. Was it, for that very short period of time, I was massive... I was obsessed with it. I had, you know, photographing my van, like, just... Some yeah, I had to go... Mate. Yeah, of course, I had to go back and kind of put my life back in order, pay bills, or, you know, so just neglected everything, like... You know. Really? Did it get you that, that Yeah, deep? I wanted that fish. Yeah, massive, yeah. It was cool. We talked about, a bit, a bit earlier, about your sort of, a little bit about your ethos in terms of your carp fishing and how you'd rather not get a load of bites and... Yeah. ...catch, if you like, special ones maybe it's like harder venues where the bites are a significance and they mean something to you and you get that buzz. For a period of time, sort of post this, a lot of your angling sort of went to non-publicity waters with yeah. with that type, if you like, of yeah. sort of fishing. For you, does that bring does that bring with it that type of venue a bit more freedom in terms of your angling? Because a lot of these a lot of these places, all right, I know Horton was relatively busy. Places like Summerlees, you've got a bit of freedom. You've got a bit yeah. more freedom than you you probably 
Yeah, I mean, Horton, to be fair, other. Horton wasn't that busy. Was it not? Not when I fished it, no, because because of the fish kill. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, obviously. It, it was relatively quiet. I mean, I remember being there once on, like, the sixth day of the season, and there was no one on the lake apart from me. Yeah, wow. You know, so it was different. You know, so it wasn't like I was competing with loads and loads of anglers. Um, some of these was obviously quiet, and like I say, give you that freedom to bait, and people would leave you alone. Um, and yeah, going, I started, yeah, for no other reason, I, we, I came across some lovely fish and some great wars. Okay. Um, the, the publicity was just, that's what it was, you know, like, and I always think if you sign up to fish, no publicity, it's no publicity, whether you remember or whether you've left, you know, that's the deal you signed up. For, yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you fish a lake and it's no publicity and then you publish them after you leave, it's out of order, you know, so in my eyes. Um, so it was just how it was. I, I kept, came across, uh, I started working at DHP. Um, That's big, mate, isn't it? How, how did that transition go for you? Oh, it's mega. Yeah, that that was the best. Of- Everyone who's worked in that oh. age, Rich Stewart, Jimmy, yourself, everybody who's been through that said they were the best. Days. It was the best office you could ever work in. Like, why? Like, because we were all immature. Yeah. We all had fun. We all got on. We'd rib each other incessantly. There'd be pranks going on left, right and centre. Um, there'd be all kinds of, you know, just hijinks, laughing, raucous, like, but we all got the job done. Because mm-hmm. if, if like Rich said to me, oh, can you get such and such, you know, you'd do it. Vice versa, if I needed an advertiser, he'd do it. And and it was all the way around the office. You had Mark Coulson, Jimmy Armstrong, um, Obviously, big Rich Stewart. You had the Oracle came in. You know, yeah, yeah, um, Ollie, yeah. Jason Umney, who and you know was yeah. avid, and then Corder, Mark Coulson. I've mentioned him. Yeah. We had this like um, opinionated Yorkshireman called uh, Omsy. <laughs> Never heard of him. Good old Mark um, Holmes. Yeah. Um, so and yeah, it was just it was just brilliant. It it was so much fun to go to work. I mean, but also that was a massive. That was this what is nowadays our Instagram and <laughs> Facebook, wasn't it? I mean, the yeah. HP you've got Total Carp, Advanced, the likes of yeah. loads of publications coming out the same place, not just Carp, obviously. Yeah, but a team of people around there that really they were the center, along with sort of Carp Talk and everything else. Yeah, but they were the center of of everything with regards to the carbon world, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, it was probably at its peak in terms of what it was doing. Mm. I think across Total Carp was the biggest. In the market, but probably across the two titles, we were selling 40,000 copies a month. Yeah, decent. Cash and I were doing, because cash was there, Yeah, we were doing like a million pound of advertising revenue. I think t- on just on the carp titles, I think DHP in total had about maybe nine magazines employed, 90 people. Jeez. But our office was just special, mate. It was just, it was brilliant. And we, had, we, and we all left and kind of, we probably left at the right time. Not, through any foresight, but obviously magazines started to go down yeah. with the onset. Yeah, around that time, I think Facebook kind of emerged, social media began, companies started taking on their own media guys, you know, with free content. And, it, you know, it so died, so we all kind of left. But Did you? Um, did anybody try and sort of get into that digital space? Or we, was it- we, we tried to get them to do, um, you know, websites and that kind of thing, but... David 
David Hall was a really intimidating character. Mm. Like, and he was old school, you know, like he, he'd done well doing what he was doing, you know, for a long time. And that's pretty much yeah. what was happening with it. Um, so yeah, it didn't, it didn't move on really. Your position within DHP? Uh, I was in a, I was basically a business development manager, so I was basically selling advertising on advanced car. Yeah, okay. Yeah, on so, advanced. On advanced, yeah. So I was working with Big Rich. Um, and, and through that, we got a, like, through that period, we got an, like an unprecedented, like for us, um, number of leads on waters and stuff. Like, it was obscene. We just couldn't, mm. there was no way we could fish all the, and they, were, they weren't, they were all over the place. Like, Bedfordshire, you know, there were loads of the when we we had loads of options, but we we got some really lucky fishing, amazing fishing, some of the best fishing that we'll ever have. Yeah, we, and we had some really cool people, and yeah, and we just did that for it's the did, beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah, big and, rich. This I couldn't believe it when he came in and said he was disorganised and all over the place. Rich, but everybody's oh, yeah. him says he's a nightmare. For oh him. mate, yeah, I'm not having that for a sec. He's, he's very conscientious. The sort of master he's brilliant. of carpet he's history. Brilliant. He's brilliant what he does. Like his vocabulary, you know, his knowledge. He's a ledge, mate. Yeah, absolute ledge. But yeah, our mate, he's wrong me up. I mean, he did it. He's wrong me up before. Like, mate, I forgot my rucksack, you know, fishing, so you can't take him a rucksack. He did it the week. If you've got some reels, I had to ring a mate Joe and get some reels. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's just rich. But that was a feature of the times as well. Like DHP, you used to get some gear, mate, didn't you? Like, if you needed a set no. of rods... No. Don't know me. No, we didn't. Did you not? No, no I, we didn't in our position, no. Oh, if you were an editor, position, mate. if you were an editor, you got what you wanted. Um, you need the golden ticket, mate. You needed the editor job. Even if you're assistant editor, it didn't always, you know. Didn't filter down? Not the, no, because a lot of the companies would give the stuff the editors. Yeah. But no, so, I mean, I've got a few bits, and, you know, I've got a Pioneer, which I'm st- I still use now, an original Aqua Pioneer, like I think Mark Corson gave me. Um you know, we didn't get, no. 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 Not like, not like three baziers. No, nothing like that. Like. That's what he says now. He's being taped, isn't he? No, I'm um, not. No, absolutely. Honestly, I didn't. Did you ever get, not coerced, but did you ever get out there and sort of fish in a feature or do any of those type of stuff? Was there any no, an not, inkling not to do really. that? No, not really. No, certainly didn't at DHP, I don't think. Did the odd little bit quarter, but. How was I, that? I didn't like, I hated it. And I was not good enough to do all that. Like, Don't be stupid. Bugs my mind up. It bugs my mind. Why? Because you've got to make like decisions, but you've got the pressure of the camera and all that. I didn't enjoy it at all. I remember doing a thing with Big Rich. Um, we'd gone barbell fishing. We are doing a barbell thing up on the River Seven. So we, we, I think I picked him up at like four o'clock or something like Because we both live like, not far from each other. And we um, we travelled up there. And, you know, we get up there. By the time he'd filmed me like, three times getting my gear out of the car from different angles, walking mm. down the path, like getting the best side of my face, showing me like looking in these swims. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. All the locals have gone home and, well, you know, you've done loads of it. You're scratching for a bite. Yeah, I mean, I'm a nick one, but it wasn't enjoyable. Um, so no. Um, no, not at all. Maybe one day, Blake's Pates, we need him out there. You never you never know, do you? Get him you? out there, boys. You never know. You've got to. Um, 
And from that point in that chapter, obviously, you talked a little bit about going into into sort of Corda uh, yeah. and how that changed. For you, leaving DHP in that position, the right time with how things had turned? It hadn't turned at that point. Oh, it it was, no, it was still really successful. But um, I'd I'd obviously met him at Corda through Gardner because I used to go, like I say, I used to go yeah. over there. So I'd met Damo, obviously met Ali, Aris, Dan, you know. Um, then when I was at DHP, I ended up managing their advertising account so I'd go and see him again and Damo rang me up one day and just said I don't know if you'd be interested but we're going to start like in a kind of bit more of his official sales team they hadn't I think at that point they'd got a few they'd got a couple of agents they got like the legend that's Clive Gibbons on the road like mm. it's an agent up north and Harris Paul Harris had been doing a little bit but it was you know been a bit more like official I suppose Spooner had gone in as the sales manager um so yeah, he rung me up and I said yeah. So I went and had an interview with Dan and uh, Spooner. Yeah. Um, it's some services up near Alstow or something from memory. Glamorous. Yeah. I tipped up in a suit. And a suit, full suit. Yeah, full suit. Yeah. On, Dan was man. like, "You don't look comfortable in that." I was like, oh, "I'm not, mate." Can you tell? <laughs> yeah. But I met Dan a few times. I remember doing a. I no, I did when I was at Gardner. I did a battle carp actually, and going back to previously oh, battle carp. And yeah. I ended up doing it against Dan. And um okay, it's Danny Fairbrass. Yeah. Did you do him? No. Oh, we we did we, we had a rematch though, because the first one we both drew a blank, it was free and I'm war from stay one. And the second one, yeah, he had to borrow some cord of leg clips off me because he didn't have any. The irony is I know. So I've met him a few times. Um yeah, and I got the job and then so I started started there and like it was me and Aris really with the first kind of on the road, put like say there was some agents, but mm. the first like employed Aris, like I say, have been doing it for a little bit, but um, yeah, and Spooner, and and we just I think we just moved into the, the new building for all the five six years I've been going up there in the old cow sheds, the legendary cow sheds. Mm. But they moved into this new building, and there was nothing in it. Like there was no, you know, there was some desks, bare desks, like computers, no nothing on the wall. It was just you know a shell, but it was it was a really enjoyable place to work. You know, yeah. you had the marketing, sales and product dispatch, but everyone had, you'd see each other all the time because it was just as, it was a lot smaller, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I loved it. Yeah, it's similar it. to DHP in terms of that family yeah. sort of feel. That, that Jimmy had already gone, vibe. so Jimmy was already there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I so say, I knew, I'd known Harris and I'd known him for quite a while anyway, so. Quite a common theme in your sort of career, isn't it? That sort of feeling of like, um, yeah, I don't know, family, like belonging, that like tight knit, it's almost like a little tackle shop feel, but in, in I your think work, a lot of those, I think in. a lot of those companies are though. Yeah. You know, and Corder was always like that. Yeah. Same as the, the, the DHP office. Yeah. But Corder always felt like that, you know, I think, um, and, and Blake's, good people. Uh, Blake's now. Blake's is, is the same, you know, it's same. Like I said, I think it might be early Pete and Heather only that work with their t- son, Tim. And it's just a really lovely company. Oh. I wasn't sure if I'm honest, when, when Peter first approached me, I, w- I wasn't sure if I'm honest. I, w- I didn't know anything about what they did. Yeah, of course. Um, but I went over and, and, you know, we do everything. The boilers are really good. Yeah. Um, Pete won't compromise on the ingredients on that. All the ingredients are on the bags. Um, we do loads of stuff. We do pellets, particles. So, and the basis of the business has been going for like 40 years. It's It's got a shop which is predominantly like pet and animal feed. Yeah, which is really successful. Pete's father started that. 
So it's been going for like a long time. They're really nice people. Like I say, the products are really good. Um, we've got a lot to do. We're by nowhere near, you know. But that's exciting though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've got, you know, the branding's a little bit out of date. We're in the process looking at that. We've obviously got Sharpie, who I've known for a long time. Brilliant guy. Yeah, top you know, obviously brilliant angler. We've got Steve Ranyard on now, which he was, you know, when we was on the mags, he was doing his weekend series, which, you know, a lot of people know. Um he was, was unbelievable at that. So, yeah, he's he's so yeah. We're just slowly, slowly building it, but it's nice and local to me, um, and they're nice people. So, yeah, exactly yeah. what you need. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me a little bit back into carp fishing. Talk to me a little bit about um, the North Hearts Club Water and yeah. your time on there because you um, you did a bit on there, but there was also stuff along the ensuing period that had an impact on your life, didn't there? Uh, well, yeah, so, um, oh, crikey, it went back quite a long way, really. Mm. So, I think, the, I basically had a, a thing, funny thing with my heart called atrial fibrillation, which is like a, an arrhythmia on your heart. So, I think it basically means that your heart is getting too many signals from your brain to beat. Okay. So, your top two chambers almost going to spasm, so your resting heart rate, it's way higher than it should be, you know. Sometimes it'd be like 180, you know. 180, at rest? At rest when you just sat there, yeah. So it's been going on for a little bit. but How, it, how have you noticed that? What, what, is, it, is it just like... It got progressively worse over a long period of time. So it wasn't like one day I just woke up and it was there. It yeah. kind of... I'd noticed it, but it got progressive. And you kind of learn to live with it. It sounds stupid because it's your heart. I don't know. But you're not so getting like heart attack, gripping chest pains and, oh yeah, I don't know. No, but I'd be out of breath. Um, right. Everything I did was, when it, so initially the arrhythmia wouldn't be on all the time. Mm. It'd be it'd be intermittently. It might be on for 12 hours and it would go. 12 hours? Oh yeah, but it got a lot worse than that. It, like times, like laterally, it was weeks. So you'd have a resting heart rate of 180 beats per minute for 12 at times, hours? At times, yeah. Jesus. So it'd been going on, like I say, a little bit and then, it came to a head really when, because I like I, I was finding things quite difficult in terms of to go fishing was difficult. Everything was an effort, like yeah. real effort. It's hard to explain really, but I uh, Kerry was pregnant. My wife was pregnant with our son, and I was upstairs putting a cot together, and it was the win- it was winter, so it wasn't like scorching. And Kerry's come up, and I am puffing like out of breath, like I just run a mile. And I was sweating. My T-shirt was soaked. And Kerry's just like, Matt Garth, what is, the summit's not right. You've got to get this sorted. You know, so uh, this was around, I don't know, 2013, I think. Um, so I went to see the doctor. Um, and I'd been to see the doctor quite a few times over the years. And they'd always book you in for an ECG. They'd put you on ECG, but then your heart was in normal rhythm. And the There'd ECG, be like nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. And it happened loads so I wasn't overly confident. I went to see this um, doctor called Dr. Ebbs and he was an ex-cardio doctor. He was a GP now. And basically he kind of knew what I was talking to him about. Mm. And for the older people, um, do you remember the Donkey Kong machines that used to, like, it was like a little game machine, it's like a little fold-out screen and he gave me this and gave me it for two weeks. So when your heart goes into rhythm, I used to call it tripping, you know, it trips out. Just put your fingers on it or your thumbs on it or record your your pulse and stuff and it'll keep record the reading. 
So after two weeks, I've taken it back to him. He's opened it up and gone, yeah, I know what it is. Gone see a specialist. Said, Give me these drugs and stuff. Dr. Ebbs, who was an old doctor, his kind of take on it was, why operate when you can take medication to control it? Because his opinion was surgery was kind of a last resort. I'm so, guessing surgery would have meant opening you up though, wouldn't it? No. 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 Okay. So anyway, I was on these tablets for a little while, but it didn't really help. It kind of keep it under control a little bit. It was on beta blockers, all this kind of stuff. And um, anyway, about, I'd had, uh, just a story just popped in my mind. Go on, son. Hold on. So about, about two, two years later, I'd, we'd moved house and um, I got a new doctor and went to see her with it. And she, her opinion was well, like, why take medication when you can have it operated on and sorted? Mm. So I'd had an operation. <clears throat> so what they do is they go in through your groin, both groins, um, one with a camera, one with like a laser or something, and they burn some of the nerve endings off the top of your heart. And it hadn't hadn't worked. It hadn't worked? No, because they, they, it can take two or three goes. So anyway, I think... I think well was at quarter, right? So I think Rich had said someone said, What's 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 Garth like having done? And Rich was like, Oh, his heart's his heart's fucked, he's having a pig's heart. <laughs> right? <laughs> so like obviously, like most people, you know Yeah, they've gone nah. anyway. <laughs> there was a guy, there's a lovely guy, Corin there. So Spooner told him that I'm having a pig's heart fitted, right? <laughs> And he was like, no. Anyway, thought nothing of it. Like three months later. Oh, no. He's out for a meal with his mate Rob and their two misses. I think their misses are both nurses. And he's like, oh, something come up. You never guess what. A guy at work, Garth, he had a pig's heart fitted. And they're like, you what? You can't have a pig's heart fitted. Anyway. Oh, brilliant. Recently came to light that that story Ali Hamidi had also believed he had had overheard the story and a little bit while later Spooner was laughing telling Dovey about Corinne and all that and Ali was like what what this I only found this out literally like a month or six weeks ago he's been on that very couch I could have had him if you were that absolutely he was like what what what?" so he's obviously telling him how uh, Dovey how Corinne's fallen for it and Ali's like what what? What do you mean it's not real? I've told loads of people about it. I've been really convincing. Pig boy. Pig, I literally know. found out. It's about, what, seven years ago. I found out a couple of weeks ago. Because, I don't know if you, there was a thing, wasn't there, Geezer just did have a pig's heart done. So that's yeah, how that's it all came yeah, about. I did see yeah. that. But anyway, yeah, so that hadn't worked. Um, I hadn't fished a lot. Obviously, you've got a new son. So yeah. that's one thing. But I was struggling to like do anything. And I think it was like 2016. Um, I decided, I'm going fishing. Like, was that medically advised? Yeah, or no, or what? Yeah, I mean, what were they saying? technically, like, it wasn't going to kill me. It was result. Yeah, it, the only risk was stroke, but at my age, that was negligible. So, and um, I was on blood thinners, so you know, it's not. It was just really, really hard work. Yeah, because it's like you, your heartbeat's going rocketing, you know, and. um and I'd had one, I'd had one, I'd gone in one day, my heart was going like through the roof and uh, Kerry had taken me to A&E and um, 
they got me in there and they give me one of those, you know, the old, um, uh, fuck, what are they called? What, the old uh, paddle thing? Yeah, yeah. What's it called? I know what it's called. Oh, D-fib. D-fib, yeah. That kind. So, yeah, so they got me down. Jesus. Yeah, I was like in A&E in, in Oxford, like in my heart, I think my heart rate was like 170. And like Kerry's like looking at me when the heart monitor's behind showing me thing and I can see her face and I'm looking around going, stop it because I'm getting now angst and my heart's going up even more. Anyway, they've put me on this thing and um, they give you some like drugs so you're not quite, it's not like a general because they don't want to keep you in overnight, but they just give you enough so that hopefully you don't realise what's going on. Anyway, they've given me these drugs I've kind of, you know, dozed, whatever, and they have whacked me with these things Ooh. and I have not gone off. So I've just gone, uh, Kerry said, I lift about four inches off, off the bed and I've just gone, fuck! <laughs> oh, Jesus mate. Christ! Yeah, so, but that didn't work. That lasted for 24 hours. But anyway, like I say, start of, um, <laughs> it was savage. Um, anyway, so this one day I decided, right, it was like April, mid-April, I thought, I, I'm just going fishing. Like, I'm, I've got to do it. Yeah. So I loaded the car up. Um, I didn't know where I was going to go. I had no, no idea, really. I had a couple of options. I could have gone up to Christchurch. I could have yeah. gone. Could, and Anyway, I ended up going in one of my shops. And he had caught one from the North Arts, like, the week before or something. And it wasn't a million miles away from where I ended up on my round that day we caught him. So I thought, you know, what's hot, I'll go down there. He told me, he said, just get in there, like. You know, so I've I've gone down there. I just put two inches out. Um, Corin, funnily enough, he gave me some pop ups. Um, I just fired two out, and I went down. And in the middle of the night, I did twenty pounder, which was an absolute rotter. <laughs> was it? Mate, well, in what way, an absolute it was rotter? Just Bad if man. I showed you, no, absolutely. If I show you a photograph, you'd like, you'd know, you just go, it's a rotter, <laughs> right? And like, I think if I just caught that, that'd have been it. Uh, it's by far the worst carp I've ever caught. Out there. The worst but carp I'm, you've ever no, caught. No, out of there. Oh, out of there. <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be right up there. Um, it was a rotter, mate, honest. And Why I'm thinking, and this is going back to like, it was just horrible. It was just like. You ain't giving me a picture of this one. No, I, I should do. And I, you know, going back to like catching carp in the night, like, I was just like, I've got out of bed. Like, mate, there's an absolute stinker that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I did some self takes and that, but my heart started going. Oh, no. So I was feeling pretty ropey. And next morning, and then early, at, you know, I don't know, half six, seven, six o'clock, I've had another bite and I've landed one of the old ones, it was like 27 pounds, like mega old original one. And I was like buzzed up with that. Yeah. Did, did um, mate Tony come down? Did some photos, and you can see my face though. You can in the photo, you can see I'm like, what you're in trouble. Y- yeah, you just pained. I, I, I just so anyway, Tony, um, Tony, kind of went, and I packed up, and I was about three or four hundred yards from the car. It took me two and a half hours to pack up and get to the car. Jeez. I just couldn't. Literally got in the car, drove straight to hospital. Um, you know, ECG standard kind of stuff. So they booked me in for another operation, which was in the July, um, kind of mid-July. And I, that fish in the morning kind of geared me on. I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a go. There's an old one in there called Tyson, mm. which again, going back to, you know, Malin's books, there was chaps in there on, on this lake. 
you call it Springwood and um, there's a photograph of Tyson in there I think in 1987 at like £27 got a photograph of it in 1983 I think a guy called Kevin Ellis I think at £23 something like that so yeah he he was the last of the kind of old ones I'd had a ticket for at this point probably a dozen years but it was always days right and I'd met Kerry moved like from down that kind of way up to Oxford my fishing ever since I met Kerry had been the overnighters so the days didn't just didn't didn't fit but two years before they'd allowed nights and the first year I kind of avoided it thinking busy that, no there was a little bit again a bit of a bad feeling you know some of the older members that had been on there oh. forever wanted it kept as days I thought I'm not going to even get involved with that just leave it so anyway so it worked for me now I could do overnighters so I started having a go and I started catching them. Like, not millions, but for doing overnight, as I was getting bites most nights um, and enjoying it. Yeah. But it was tough. But I also knew that I had this deadline almost, you know, um, of the middle of July for, for my operation. So I'd kind of given myself till then to catch Tyson. I, I think if I hadn't caught Tyson by then, I don't know whether I'd, I'd gone back. I didn't know... How the operation was gone. I'd had one; it hadn't worked. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was, I was I like I say I was catching some fish. Are um, you catching them again? Still hinges, or you? Just yeah, it was in? it was really nice fishing. Just literally getting to the lake, trying to find them. Yeah. And just fishing hinges and a throwing stick. Yeah, it was lovely, yeah. lovely fishing, and it was quiet, so you could you could find them. You could, you could you could catch them, and I'd had quite a lot. I think at this point I'd had like. I don't know, seven, 17 or 18, maybe 20 fish in a dozen nights or something. Nice. Not not, not millions, but it was all, all good. But I'd caught quite a lot of small fish at this point. Um, I think that 27 was still the biggest fish I caught at that point. Um, and I was fishing um, bright ones, you know. And I think, I think I'd gone into Cordo this one day, you know, chatting with the guys, you know, like you do. I think it was a guy, Rob... Rob Willingham that said to me like try go try and match the hatch you know and it just it that it's switch just from that mm. you've gone from like biggest 27 first one's 28 second one's 30 mad um <clears throat> you know so but all this time I was struggling with me with my heart like getting round was an issue and I had another issue was that one day I'd gone down the bottom and my barrow died I had terminal barrow failure and there was this lady who used to walk around and I'd seen her like a few times and just said hello and that. And what had happened was the welding had come from like broken from underneath my wheels. So it's just collapsed. Jeez. And I'm like lying on the floor underneath this wheelbarrow, like trying to see what's going on. She's like walking around the corner. She's going, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. She thought I'd like died by wheelbarrow My heart's crushing. Bad, it's not that bad. Yeah, no, she thought this, I don't know what she thought. So then... Um, I started using one of the work bar- you know, the work party barrows, like for a few trips until yeah. I got a new barrow sorted, which was even harder work, wasn't it? Um, but anyway, this one, this the trip when I caught caught Tyson was the last trip that I had before my up. I think I had one day. I'd booked, I had two days fishing. I'd like it's rare. Normally, just I say do it overnight, yeah. and I had a forty-eight, and I'd gone. I found some fish, and on the first night I'd caught a couple, like a couple of twenties, I think. And the next morning they'd all scarpered, 
and uh, there was nothing to be seen all up to my left anywhere near me so I got on the barrow so I had this like work party barrow you know which is forget how hard work they were yeah. anyway and it was quite overgrown so I'm trying to push this thing and I've ended up walking around 40 odd acres like of overgrown thing with me art and this barrow took me god knows how long it took Ooh. like four hours didn't see anything. Got back into the swim. I caught two from the night before. They're there again, aren't they? So <laughs> I just no ended, up, ended up back in the same swim. I was like, you dickhead. <laughs> so anyway, got them back out. Obviously, new spots, happy days. About half, six, seven o'clock, left-hand spot started fizzing up. And I, t- I remember taking a photo and sending it to Rich, going like, something's happening. With that, left-hand rods belted off. Pick the rod up, and immediately Tyson has lifted up in front of me in the water. I've just what? seen it, like, just come up, swam across in front of me. I'm like, that's Tyson. It's turned towards me, and I'm just pumping it in, and it's just, like, shoulders, like, swaying, waddling, just coming just towards me. Nothing. Just doing nothing. And I'm pulling it, pulling it towards me, and I'm just thinking, I'm going to catch Tyson here. I'm yeah. going to net Tyson. I put the net out, about six inches from the net cord. It's powered off to my right. Oh. Pick my over rod up. Brilliant. <clears throat> the other rod's out the clip. dee 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 <laughs> I'm like, mate, it's gone through. It's found a weed bed. It's gone solid. So I thought, you know what? I'll just bite the other line, get it out of the way, and I'll yeah. worry about it later. So I picked the other rod up, like trying to bite the line. Fish is powered off. I've got the rod in the wrong hand. So I put the thrown the other rod back on the down. I'm like, back winding, back winding, back, bang. It's come off. Slack. It's gone. Totally gone. Oh, my. Mate, literally just from full, like, your rod just gone. I've just, I did. I just put the rod in the rest. <laughs> Call myself a lot of names. Oh, you dickhead. Literally out loud, like, what have you, you've just lost Tyson. You've just lost Which Tyson. Not a lot realistic that you could have done about it, is there? Mate, what you do, I've sat down in my bed chair, I've rolled a cigarette, I've had a cigarette, just shaking my head like, what, what are you doing? Pick the rod up, see what's going on, wind down, something's still on. What? What, the- what the heck? What had happened was, where I'd nicked the other line of my teeth, the line was going through at an angle and the other line had gone. So obviously where it's going through an angle, it just dropped mine slack. Oh. Pick the rod up, mate. Tyson's still in a weed bed. So <laughs> <laughs> what a noddy. So what? mate, so all of a sudden it's kicked. She's co- he's come out like, he's come out. It's just kind of that, mate. I've, I've, so I've gone from like absolute. What a series of emotions. Absolute despair. No and, wonder your art's bad. <laughs> mate, what a noddy. So, yeah, so that was... that so you was, had it? Yeah, a bit last, of luck. Last, last go, yeah. I had another night. Um, mate Bailey from, you know, Ian Bailey from court, yeah. he'd come over, did his, he was fishing further down the valley, he'd come over, did some pictures. We got back, I had another night, but I just went home. Um, and I always remember the trip home, like all the cord, we had like a WhatsApp group, so I'm still in it, to be fair. Like, it's now, instead of the sales groups, it's called the Excels Nauses or something. Um, <laughs> but I remember on the way home, they were just buzzing, like, you know, yeah. getting like, loads of messages and... Yeah, so that was cool. And yeah, and a couple of days later when I'd had the op. All better after the op? No, I had another one after that. Blinking, how keep yeah. going, lad. But that was, the last one was five years ago. Um, And touch wood. Yeah, it's all been good. good. So, yeah. Good. Well, flipping, yeah, some context, but also in amongst it, classically, some quality angling, mate. Well, yeah, you get a bit lucky as well. Nah, that was mate, lucky. Like you- mate, it could have come off in a wee bit, couldn't it? Nah, <laughs> when you come off in the no. week, bed. Size eight, size eight, Charlie, mate. They so stay in straight in there. It's going nowhere. No, mate, they're good. They are. 
They're a bit of you. Yeah, don't, they? don't come off. I like good fishing, mate, to be fair. Yeah, it was lovely, yeah. yeah. And then I think sort of more recent times. Yeah. The Thames. Every Instagram post I've seen of you, I know it's very seasonal. It's seasonal, yeah. So I'll, I normally always do it. Like, so the river season uh, finished Monday. Yeah. I was sat on the river till midnight Monday. The river's awesome for me because I can fit it in a lot easier around family. Kerry yeah. will probably tell me otherwise, but Kerry's bit like awesome with my fishing. If I'm pushing it too much, she tells me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. pull it back in. But quite often in the winter, I can go home after work. Uh, have me tea, see me little man, take him to football, do whatever. I was reading my story. It's Kerry picks him up from school. Obviously, she's with him until yeah. I get home. And I'll read him his story, put him to bed, and then I can go to the river. Um, Kerry always goes to bed earlier than me. Yeah. It's just, she does. She's got arthritis and it ties her out. So um, I can go pretty much. So... But a lot of time, you won't be getting to the river till nine, half nine, fish till midnight, and then go home. But you get you get your little fix, don't you? I think Sunday just gone, I think I said to you earlier, I was, I'd was i put little, little man to bed. Kerry Kerry gone to bed, she was feeling a bit rough. I'd watch Crocodile on D2 or something, you know, and I classic. looked at the telly. Classic. Um, <laughs> classic cinematography. Cla- yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I sat there, I looked at what's on t- I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm rotting here, let's yeah. go. So I've gone upstairs, went, Kerry, I know this ain't normal, but I'm going fishing. She went, it's nine o'clock on a Sunday night, what are you doing? I'm going fishing, I'm only going a couple of hours, I'll be home soon. So I've gone up, and uh, yeah, I think by, I think I would had the rods out 10 to 10, and then by, I think, certainly by 10 past, maybe half past 11, I had a brace of Thames barbel, and Go on, the job boy. done. Yeah, the Thames itself, mate. Yeah, obviously has a, a strong affinity with you. Yeah, why is that? Just because the 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 sort of yeah. I think if you go like say go back to growing up with Graham and Steve, mm. we always did all different species. I've always done it. I've always enjoyed it. Um, I don't enjoy winter carp fishing anymore because I don't enjoy packing up in the morning in the winter in the dark. Simple as that. Okay. Like, I don't mind going out on the Thames and getting cold and going home. I don't like getting that bag, packing. I just don't like it. Yeah, right fair. Now. So what I'll do is I'm going to be carp fishing till... And I think the other side to that is the, the type of waters that you want to fish, you don't, you're not catching many anyway. You know, the winter yeah, yeah, yeah. over like on these tough la- on uh, some tough lakes that are weedy. They're not the best winter wars. So, um, so I moved, yeah, I moved to Oxford like 2005, I think, when I met Kerry. And I think I just fell in love with the Thames. It's massive. There's more than you can ever do in your lifetime in mm. Oxfordshire, let alone the rest of the river. It's got big fish of everything. Um, what you had? What big ones you had? You had, a lot, you had a lot of good, I've seen good barbel, I've seen good chub. Yeah, so, I mean, there's good fish of everything. I've had barbel to like nearly 16, chub over seven, um, Perch? Perch, not quite at a four yet, but three, four, in. Threes are big. Um, even roach, you know, a two-pound roach. Pike? To, I've never massively been into the pike, if I'm honest. It's not a species. You've got to leave yourself somewhere to go, haven't you? No, I think if I think, <laughs> I think if there was a little lake or a lake that had, like, three big pike in it, I'd have a go, but I don't want to catch jacks and stuff. I just never liked it. Yeah. My mate, Stephen Graham, they were always doing pike a lot more pipe fish than me. I just never, never took to me. 
but yeah, so I normally can't fish. I can't fish them now. So one job this week is I'll go down the man cave, put all my river kit away properly. Cause you know, over the course of the year, like try and get myself to organize at the start of the winter. So I've got like a roach and a perch bag and rod old or Yeah. And I've got a chub and a barbel, rod old or The perch and the roach also has trotting kit. And if I'm going like a test or something for a trip or trip. So I'm organized, but I always like to try and put it away like half decent. So I'll do that and then I'll get my carp kit ready again. And then the next week or two, I'll start carp fishing. And then I'll carp fish until I've had enough, end of October, early November. Straight back on the rivers. Yeah. And I'll start back on the river. Yeah. No. Nice. Already start, already like sitting there looking at rivers to go to next year. You know, it's funny. But I've, yeah. I've just always liked that. I like that. I like the change. Yeah. It keeps it fresh. Yeah. I don't bivvy up for the barbel. I'll do two or three evening hours in the evening or the chub because I think if I, that's just the same for me. If I'm going to sit there behind buzzers and a bivvy. So you're old school tips in the air watching them. I wouldn't say old school. It's just, you are in here. <laughs> I just on. prefer the contrast of your fishing. Yeah. You can't, you know, the buzzers when you cart fishing's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You cannot be that rod slamming over with a barbel. Like, it it, it scares you. Like, it just makes you jump. Tem, the Thames, Thames barbeling is the hardest fishing I've, I do by far. Yeah. They're not hard to catch if they're there, but you've got massive long stretches of river, <laughs> like sometimes four miles with not loads of fish and you sit there in the dark on your own questioning your sanity a lot. So <laughs> you do, what the heck am I doing? You are selling this. <laughs> no, but it's that. I think you're just trying to keep people off your No, honestly, here. a lot of time it's a mental thing. Oh, there's two or three, you know, mate Joe and Pedro and that couple of mates, they do it. I mean, you know, we all say the same, it's mad. You know, it's better now than it has been for a bit. But if you go out 10 years, it was granite, granite. Yeah. But it's yeah. mentally just... You'll go like say two Sunday night. I went back Monday night. Nothing. Where are they? Why? why? Yeah. What's the difference? Why uh, yeah, is it gone? I don't know. And, and is that's what keeps you going back? Um, I think. UK fishing, UK waters. In terms of for you now, we're looking forward. Um, carping. Where where you? I've got a, cu- a couple again this year. No, pu- no yeah. publicity ones, but a couple of really one I fished before, um, and one I haven't. Um, both big waters. Um, which yeah, I'm looking looking forward to do nice. spring on one, and then the other in the summer onwards. I think. Um, you said to me if you'd have a ticket, you'd go for a Burfield ticket. No, I had a Burfield ticket. Oh, you had a Burfield ticket. Yeah, I had a well, Burfield right. ticket, but it wasn't quite doable. It was probably a stretch too far. It's a bit of you though, isn't it? Um, it would have been ace, but it, you, mate, you see what those guys are doing, like ridiculous. You know. You do, and you've you see it over the years, you you know you can, guy. There's there's different levels, isn't there? Yeah. You know, you only have to listen. To, I don't know if you listen to Stokesy's yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sip thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. On Burfield, mad. and that tells you all you need to know, mate. Yeah. The effort Tom put into catching that fish was oh, insane. You know, and and to to do well on there, you've got to be able to. But it was yeah, it was way way. It was too much for me that. Without question. But I photographed it for Tom. So, Stokesy. So, You've seen a, a lot of good ones in the flesh. So yeah, so that was pretty cool. And uh, 
I fished it. I did eight or nine nights a couple of years ago. And then the second year I had a ticket lockdown was there. So we, we weren't able to go there anyway. Um, and then circumstances changed. So yeah, drop, dropped it. But mega lake, full respect to the people that are fishing those kind of places and catching them. But yeah, I haven't got the, mm, the fair. probably the time or the drive to go that extra mile, you know, like to put, my family, yeah, a bit, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah know a bit more. Saying. Like you could, I could, I couldn't do it. There's no way I yeah. could ever do that. That's fair. Damo, I remember Damo saying to me when I got Midburford to you, "You're mad," and he was right. I am. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing to round off. A bit of a stitch up. A certain somebody, and I can't name them for who, said when he's on the podcast, you need to ask him why he's so angry. Well, it could be a number of people. I'm not going to say who it was because I can't. I don't um, give away my sources, mate. Why are you so angry? And give me an example of your anger. Because uh, I haven't seen you angry at all. And I'm pretty good at making people feel No, I angry. think... Um, <laughs> I don't know, right. So you could go into... like You could take this... like So I think sometimes when... Occasionally over the years you have issues. Certainly say when I have my heart issues... I was depressed. Yeah. You've answered this very seriously. I thought you were yeah. going to say, I'm never angry. What are you talking I am, about? I am. I know I am sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a knob at sometimes, yeah. So if I'm a knob to anyone and I've been angry, I apologise over the years. Um, but I think sometimes uh, if I'm playing football, this is uh, an example, and someone kicks me, right, and I'm a, I want to be down, I'm like, leave me alone. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I think at like times when I've had like, Stuff, yeah. Going on. I'm like that as well. Leave me alone. Get, you know, get away. But also, uh, I sometimes just struggle to hold me, me tongue, you know. Like if something has annoyed me. and But I have, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I, yeah, I don't know. I like that. I've caught my guard with that one. It's a good one. Good bit of intel. For yeah, the so I have a Jimmy Rich. <laughs> I Jake, cannot. it sounds like Jake. I don't know any If of it was Jake, lads. Jake's angrier than me. I don't know any of those lads. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're about. Yeah. Um, I'm saying absolutely nothing, but don't be angry at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jake. Before you go, mate, and I massively appreciate your time. I've genuinely laughed so much throughout this. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. It's been brilliant. Um, and I know you're a little bit nervous coming on, but you didn't need to be. It's absolutely mega. Um, you've got some quick fire questions. Okay. All right. Uh, only fish for carp or never fish for carp again? Yeah. Only fish for carp. I think it was, it's difficult on that, but I think you can always find a new carp, can't you? Yeah. You know, I'll give you that. When you've caught six pound chub it often looks the same as the next bit six pound chub which is quite a, I like to do it like small doses yeah cut specialist angling community really endearing <laughs> <laughs> um, biggest regret uh, when fishing it could be I think it's a very broad regret question, pro- I'd like to have maybe gone and fished like the Mere or Raysbury mm. back at, I actually Mate Nigel caught Mary, like we had a good look around the mirror, I think it was like 2004 or three, and we bought Kit to go and then I met Kerry and moved away and so it it never happened. But um, yeah, maybe I think that, not so much a regret, just didn't happen, but uh, yeah. it'd be nice to do that. Uh, drum and bass or country and western? Mate, no question, country and western. Yeah, come on, boy. I'm not a massive fan of either, but give me John Denver over that noise. Go on, the boy. Uh, only particle or only boiler? Only boily. 
Three anglers to share a session with, past or present. Um, do you know what? It'd be Big Rich, Mate Joe, Mate Dan. Nice. Just because when we, the fishing we had will never better. Yeah, nice. Um, if you caught the Bayfield Common, who'd you call to do your picks? One of the, one of the two big ones, isn't it? Well, you, you got to call one of them. That's what I'm saying. Well, it doesn't say one, does it? Read yes, the question. it does. Read the if question? you caught the Belfort Common, who do you call? Yeah, who? It doesn't say. One. In brackets, one man. No, it doesn't. It, yes, it It'd does. It'd be one of the big ones. So in, in order, you'd go Big Rich. Big, big, big Rich Stewart. He's done it in front of Big Dan. And then you go Big no, Dan. No, mate, you've said Big yeah, Rich. Yeah, I'd go right. Big Rich because he's Dan. closer to me. Sorry, And Dan. I don't think Dan's ever done me a photo. Rich has done me quite a lot, so. Well, that's going to burn him, that boy. Um, One rig, one bait, one venue. Uh, be Redmar Pool in the fifties or sixties. The hair rig, just the hair rig, and uh, HMB Pro. Well, you'd tear it apart, mate, wouldn't you? That's what I mean. But you imagine back then, like it was proper mystery, wasn't there? Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't know. Just like walking out of fifty-seven, like what was in there? Yeah, you don't know, do you? Um, it was... You'd have found out in a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know, do you? You don't know. Like, you look back, Richie McDonald, Kevin Maddox, um, Pete Springate, all fish that Kevin Clifford, Len Aubrey, they didn't yeah. catch the bishop. And Yatesy caught in a little bit of corn after they you know. So you never you never know, but yeah, that would have been special, wouldn't it? Right, mate, yeah, totally. Uh, pub or nightclub? These days, pub. Go out early, have a few beers, wake up with a foggy head instead of a headache. Foggy head. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm going to slip one in here that I forgot to well, put on the list, mate. No, we um, <laughs> No, it's not one. It's not a wind-up. Um, only fish for wrong-uns or never fish for carp again? <laughs> That's yeah. got it, mate. <laughs> Straight in with a curveball. Uh, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> That's not an acceptable answer, mate. Never fish for carp again. Oh, that is a big shout. I had this uh, conversation. Uh, you asked that someone the other week, didn't you? Rich. Rich. I had that conversation with him. Uh, with him about he said, it. He, he yeah, said fish for wrong. We ones. disagreed on it. Yeah, we had this conversation. He's all over it, mate. Yeah. He I'd knows. go and fish for Chubb. <laughs> Your proudest moment to date? Uh, becoming a father without yeah. question and watching him. Yeah. Is he like a bit of angling? Yeah. He's come with me quite a bit now. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, well, he, he filmed the 50 pound of the other year on my phone. He's seen a few 40s. But I don't want him to get into the cart. I take him, um, well, it, in lockdown, when we could only fish local, we yeah. were fishing local, and it, it was brilliant. Like, he'd come with me, he would bivvied up. It was a little bit of, like, community kind of thing, you know, with, with the guys. Um, he'd come we'd all have a Chinese on a Friday. Yeah, I remember him sitting down going, this is the best meal I've ever had. Um, and then one, I think it was like the third or fourth week, he's got some money out of his wallet that he's got for his birthday to buy the boys the no, Chinese. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he's got names for all the people, you know, like, um, yeah, he loves the, the camping side of it. He's yeah. caught some, he's caught some big tension stuff, but, I don't want him to get into just carp. I take him up the river on the pole catching perch and silvers and that. That's lovely not, time together. Yeah, though. and I'm not thrashing it with him because I don't want to force it down his throat. You know, if he wants to come, he'll come. But I always think if you give him enough opportunity, he'll just find what he wants to do, whether it's fishing, that's up to him. But if it's not fishing, I'll force him. Like <laughs> um, 
Funniest moment on the bank? Probably. There's been loads, like, but one that always springs to mind, we was at Horton, there was, I think, um, I think Ian Russell was fishing and Frogger and we were on, like, this causeway between the boat and the church and Chris Starman Hall was on the other side and we're all, I don't know, in Frogger's swim or something and we see Starman climb up this tree like it wasn't a massive tree but it wasn't like a sapling do you know what I mean it was a reasonable size I think it was a willow and he's got to the top of this tree and we're going oh mate he's going to snap them branches because he was you know he wasn't a small yeah it wasn't massive but he was you know anyway he's going to snap him and we're just watching with that he did branches didn't snap the whole tree snapped oh you're beautiful it broke from the roots and the whole tree just toppled forward into the lake with Starman at the top of it and like for a moment we're just like oh my god what's he doing and then he's come up spluttering his glasses all on the piss like trying to put (laughs) trying to put his glasses back on we were honestly just crying still cry by it now about four or five minutes later Dell's come down um Starman just cut that tree down (laughs) (laughs) not not exactly Dell. Not exactly. Not in the textbook sense no. of the word. Mate, he's lucky he fell in the water, not the back. Oh, though. mate, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you remove from carp fishing? Folded reel handles. <laughs> no, no. Um, mouth damage on Ooh. carp. Hate yeah. it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I probably wouldn't go and fish for fish with it. I think it's uh, bad. It seems to be getting worse in lots of places as well. Biggest piece of carp fishing nonsense you've heard? Um, do you know what most of them were about Dan Fairbrass yeah most of them were about Dan Um, he's got a helicopter up to the Northern Angling show he he couldn't decide what Ferrari to buy so he bought both colours all these stories you'd hear and they were nonsense like Dan always he had an accident actually towards the end of my time at career car accident and he he definitely got a safer car then he had his daughter and that so yeah, yeah of course um, but before that he always had the shittest car at Corder yeah. he always buy a second hand van um, and you'd hear stuff like oh he's a rude this rude that Dan's not Dan I can only speak as I found him yeah of course uh, Dan was brilliant to work for yeah you know things like when I had my operations he'd ring me up I remember I had a knee operation as well I snapped my Achilles uh, my football ACL playing football yeah and um it was like a crap recovery, like four weeks off work or something. And I remember him ringing me up going, mate, just take your time, don't rush back, you know. Um, you'd be in the office, like on a sales meeting, he'd come in. All right, boys, right, half 12, take you out to lunch. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, probably all the nonsense I heard about Dan. Yeah, was, fair. Yeah, Everything I've heard I'd about say. has been brilliant. And what he's done, mate, ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Oh, amazing, you know. Um, last question. Night mm-hmm. out on the bank or a night in with the missus and the young lad? What are you doing? Can't no, combine n- the both. Not in with the missus. Nice. But luckily, I can do both. You can't though, can you? On that question, no, I do <laughs> On that. that question, I can if it's She came with me actually last year though. She did come with me. Did yeah, she? and the boy, yeah. Yeah, and we did not. It's the first night in all the years, yeah. That's nice though, isn't it? Yeah, it was cool. We had a little, little barbecue and that, yeah. Oh, happy days, mate. Yeah. Garth, you're an absolute star. Thank you so much, mate. My pleasure, mate. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I'll be back soon with another Nash Off The Hook podcast. Until then, mate, you've been a legend. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.